Good to have you here, three and out on this Wednesday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you are with us. A lot to get to here on the show, of course. The uh, the latest from the National Football League as you have players moving again today uh, across the league. Of course, yesterday Russell Wilson uh, going to Denver. The big news uh, there. Could we have a deal in Major League Baseball later today? Who knows? Uh, this is yet the, the the newest of deadlines. Uh, put out there by uh, MLB. We'll see if there's no deal today. We could be getting more games uh, canceled at the end of the day. So we'll get to that uh, coming up a little bit later uh, in the show. We'll also talk with Jeffrey Gunter, Coastal Carolina defensive end, and he will uh, join us uh, coming up in the final hour of the program as well. But Ben, as we mentioned yesterday, the big news in the National Football League, Russell Wilson leaving Seattle, going to uh, Denver, joining us here uh, from the Athletic uh, Seattle, Michael Sean Dugar joins us here on uh, Three It Out. Michael, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm doing good. How you guys doing? What was the uh, what was the mood in Seattle? Was it shock? Was it this was a uh, something that maybe people saw coming? What was the mood yesterday? Um, it was definitely shock. I think that was the consensus pretty much everywhere, judging by how much my phone lit up when it happened and what those text messages and calls were like. Um, I think the mood after that was, you know, curiosity, like you're wanting an explanation. Like, why? What's going on, Mike? Like, why did why did we just give it to Russell? You know, that's what everyone, well, my mom wanted to know that, you know. <laughs> it was just such a big deal uh, around here. And it really kind of comes down to which narrative you choose to, to pick. You know, you ask Russ, he'll probably say that the Seahawks didn't want him. Uh, you ask the Seahawks, they'll say, well, I mean, hey, he had a no-trade clause, so clearly he waived it to get out of here, you know, so... Um, I think the truth, as usual, lies somewhere in the middle. You know, both sides had their reasonings for parting with the other. Uh, I don't think that's something many people – that nuance there is not something many people are dealing with uh, very well right now, especially in Seahawks Twitter. Don't dive into that space. It's dark. Uh, <laughs> but I think if you do dive into, like, Seahawks Twitter right now, you will get a really good snapshot of how people around here are feeling right now. And Michael, I mean, you t- I mean, uh, obviously, you talk about uh, Russell Wilson was one thing. Then Bobby Wagner, I mean, they let him go. I mean, you talk about a guy that's been about as good as you can be at the linebacker position. Six first team All Pro, Super Bowl, obviously one. I mean, so they trying to come, they trying to deal with the Russell Wilson situation. Then right after that, Bobby Wagner, how did that hit the city? That hit way harder than the Russ thing. I think, like from an emotional standpoint, I mean, Bobby was just a good dude. Not to say Russ is a bad guy, I should be clear, but like Bobby just resonated with people in Seattle a lot differently. You know, he was a little bit more quiet guy. It just kind of felt a little bit more uh, genuine and vulnerable, you know, from like how he would talk about guys making fun of his neck and how thick it is, you know, when he was a rookie to wearing his Ninja Turtle backpack and, uh, you know, his relationship with his late mother and just like, you know, most recently how he would talk about things outside of, you know, sports, his music, financial literacy, um, black colleges, even though Bobby went to Utah State, like he just he just connected with people um, in a way that it really just kind of hurt to see him get cut. And that's another thing is to resonate. Uh, the impact of someone getting cut is a lot different than them getting traded. I-, I think because you can, at least in a trade, you can like, all right, we got this in return, so maybe I can be hopeful about whatever the this is. I mean, if it's picks or another player, with Bobby, it was just like, wait, we just got rid of him? Like we just dumped him? Like it, that was a little bit harder to swallow, I think. Um, for a lot of people than the Russell trade. And for a while, obviously, Seattle has been a team that has been trying to uh, be a contender uh, in the NFC. Is this a sign of a rebuild uh, there in Seattle? What is uh, the, the, the two latest moves kind of signal to you about what's happening there? 
Yeah, definitely a, a rebuild, I think. I, we don't get to hear from Pete Carroll and general manager John Snyder until March 16th when the league year begins. So perhaps by then they will have made some other moves, uh, maybe at quarterback. Maybe they're waiting to see what this grand jury uh, decision is with Deshaun Watson to make a play there. Uh, I would imagine the only way they can spin this as not being a rebuild is if they make another move at quarterback. I, I really just a major move, you know, not like the Colts just did or the Washington football team just give, you know, picking up Carson Wentz, like picking up Carson Wentz and paying him twenty eight million dollars, how you get fired, right? Like in trading Russell Wilson is kind of how you get fired too, unless you have one hell of a backup plan. So I, I anticipate this being a rebuild, um, which is a weird move, you know, from the front office's standpoint, unless there's something big coming down the pike. Because when you think about it, in the NFL, it's very rare you get to cause the need for the rebuild and then see it through. Usually they fire you before you get good again, you know, if, if they're rebuilding. So um, I would love, I can't wait to hear from these guys next week because right now this definitely seems like a move, uh, the moves actually cutting Bobby and trading Russ. Like this seems like a long-term plan for two guys who probably won't be here long-term to see it through unless, you know, they strike gold in the draft. Michael, I mean, when you think about a guy like Pete Carroll, his success is directly, you know, tied to Russell Wilson and, what the Legion of Boom and how much success those guys had for a lot of years. You think about now, what what made the trade? What made the trade kind of like seem? Did they find somebody? Did they find a quarterback they fell in love with at the combine? You still got some free agency guys, or was it the fact that you get two first, two second, and you get a Drew Lock, you get a Noah Fan, you get you know a Shelby Harris? Was it just too good of a deal to pass up on? I honestly think the deal could have been a lot better. The problem is Seattle didn't have any leverage crazy as that sounds, because um, it doesn't sound like Russell was signing off on those other deals, um, whether it was from Washington or from Philly or from other teams. And because the other teams knew that, you know, because Denver knew that specifically, they didn't have to up the offer. You know, like when I saw the I saw the trade, I was like, well, this is crazy. You only get two first. I was like, okay, let me see what the players are. Maybe they're getting like Bradley Chubb and like Sertan, Patrick Sertan or Junior or something like that. No, they got a tight end who's a good tight end, but they got Drew Locke who stinks. Um, and then they got um, Shelby Harris, who would probably be fine. But like trading Russell Wilson, I want a little bit better than fine. You know what I mean? Like I would, I would like to have Sertan or, or Chubb or um, Justin Simmons, the safety. Like I thought they were going to get like some blue chip type of young talent uh, in exchange for giving up one of the best players in football. And they just they just didn't. But then I realized they were kind of, you know, Denver realized it was betting against or uh, negotiating against itself. So I, I think it, the the deal came to a head just because Russ wanted out. And Seattle just kind of wanted to move on. I don't even think the deal is as good as it could have been if Russ didn't have a no trade clause. So you're saying Drew Locke is not the answer? Is the, if, I, if I'm reading between the lines? <laughs> oh yeah, no. That, I mean, look at the guy's numbers. Look at the film. I mean, it's very. I mean, Drew Locke was so bad that a team traded for Teddy Bridgewater and to play him instead of Drew. And I don't even think Teddy's that good. I think Teddy's fine. Uh, but yeah, Drew's just Drew's just not it, man. I, I think that's pretty clear. Yeah, the thing about quarterbacks is, you know, when you get a big enough sample size, and I really think it only needs to be like give give that guy a full off season as the starter, and then let him start the whole season. I don't even think you need multiple years these days because of you know uh, how advanced these guys are coming in, um, and how much these offenses are tailored to quarterbacks from the jump. Whereas in the past, you know, guy comes from the spread, you stick him under center as a rookie, and then he stinks, and you wonder why. Like things are getting tailored to these guys a little bit more, so the evaluation process is quicker. Man, Drew's had that, and he just wasn't it. I feel like you can tell that with a lot of QBs, man. I feel like the Giants can tell that with Daniel Jones. 
I sh- I could tell it was Sam Darnold, Jimmy G. Like, there's just been a lot of guys that give me a year of watching them when they had a full offseason as the number one, and, you know, I can tell you whether they're good or not. And Drew's not it. I mean, Michael, when I think about the Seattle team, and I mean, they, they got rid of everybody that had some level of significance. When you talk about Pete Carroll, Earl Thomas, and Richard Sherman, I mean, Beast Mode. Now you get Russ. Now you get, you know, Bobby Wagner. I know they still got DK Metcalf. I've heard that, you know, uh, I mean, Lockett might be a guy that might be out there. Uh, somebody might want to trade. I mean, what what is going to be the plan, especially with a fan base as rampant as, as the 12th man? I mean, what is – what is Pete Carroll going to do in 2022? Because I hear the word rebuild, but that's not what they've gotten used to up there uh, in Seattle. Yeah, it's going to be a tough sell. I mean, like I was just joking with the, one of the homies on this podcast I do, the Seahawks Random Man podcast. Um, like when they send out like the, the email or the PDF or whatever for people to renew their season tickets, like who's going to be on the flyer? Like who's, who's putting the butts in seats in 2022? Like, a receiver can't do it without a quarterback, right? So you can stick DK and Tyler on there all you want, but if you know if I'm playing quarterback for the Seahawks, then who's going to pay those prices to come watch those guys? You know, so I think they actually do have a conundrum there. Not they have to sell. He's got to be a salesman now. Like, all right, you traded Russ, you cut Bobby. Cool. Sell me on how we just got better. Like, sell me because Seahawks tickets ain't cheap, right? So like, sell me on why I should, you know, take this day off go to, you know, take my kids down there, pay hundreds of dollars, you know, overpriced parking prices and overpriced popcorn prices and beer to watch Drew Locke, right? You can't sell that to me. At least I don't think you could. So I'm very curious to see how Pete sells that to the fan base, you know, come next week. Michael Sean Dugard, The Athletic Seattle. Joining us here on 3 and Out on the flip of that, how do you think uh, Russell Wilson does in Denver? Yeah, I think of what's the, what's the line? It's like rumors of my demise have been like greatly exaggerated or something <laughs> like that. Like I think that's the case with uh, Russell Wilson here. Like when he before he broke his finger, right? He was great. Like go check Russell's numbers from like week one through five last year. He was fine. Like he was still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. It was like him, Mahomes, Rogers, Brady. Like everyone, he was he was in the group of guys that you would expect him to be with. You know, statistically and on film, he broke his finger, missed a month. Came back too early, stunk it up, um, and then he when he stunk it up, he was there with that group of people you don't want to be with. You know, you in there with like Jared Goff and Carson Wentz and Daniel Jones, Baker Mayfield, and stuff. Right, and then after you know what would have been like a full eight weeks from the date of the injury, like had he sat out the whole time that the doctor recommended, you look at from like weeks fourteen to eighteen, he was fine again. He was right up there with Mahomes and Rodgers and Herbert and Burrow and all the guys that you would want to see your quarterback up there with in terms of stats and film. So I think he'll be fine. As long as he doesn't break his finger again, uh, then I think he'll, you know, he'll be back, back to being a top five, top six, you know, type of guy you win with, not the type of guy you win because of. When you think about when, when I when I think about a, a player's impact on the team, I mean, I think about how much that player is going to be missed and how much it's going to be hard to replace him, we forget the fact that Russell Wilson he had to step into the, he had to step into the likes of a Matt, a Matt Hasselbeck and say, "Hey man, can I supersede what he did?" I mean, it depends on who you ask. Who, uh, as far as Seattle fans, who was the best quarterback out of Hasselbeck and Russ? In your opinion, though, uh, Mike, I mean, you had a chance to see those boys up close. I mean, in your opinion, who was the better quarterback for Seattle? Even though yes, one won a Super Bowl, one didn't. But who you think is a better quarterback? Who leaves a bigger legacy out of, out of Wilson and Hasselbeck? Um, I, I got to correct myself. I flipped that. Russ is someone you win because of, not someone you win with. Jimmy G is someone who would fall in the latter category, uh, whereas Russ is in the former. Uh, but to answer your question about Matt and, and Russ, I think it's unequivocally Russell Wilson. I think 
Russell, I mean, Russell, the Pro Bowl is not everything, right? but it just gives you kind of a baseline of how consistent somebody is year to year. Like, Russ made nine of ten Pro Bowls. Now, some of those years he was the alternate and guys opted out, but, I mean, damn, that means he was still, like, one of the top ten guys in the league. And it's just, you know, he's, I think he's never been first-team All-Pro. He's gotten All-Pro votes before. But he's just been really consistent, really efficient, you know, doesn't make a lot of back-breaking mistakes. He's been really clutch. He throws the ball downfield. He hits tight windows. He's been a really, really, really good quarterback for a really long time. And I think that's just really hard. Um, to, to replicate, man, and compare it to unless you, like, have – some guys have higher peaks. Like, Matt Ryan and Cam Newton had, like, higher peaks when Russell was hot. But, like, Russell's been consistent. He's kind of reminds me of, like, Phillip Rivers or, like, Drew Brees in there. Like, Drew Brees has never won, like, MVP or anything, but he just was consistently good for, like, 15 years or something. Like, that's, that's what I compare Russ to, like, consistent, you know, know what you're going to get each year, each game, each snap type of player – even if he doesn't have, like, that super high peak, uh, like, MVP style, like some of these other guys, maybe like even Lamar or Cam or Matt Ryan have had. And, Michael, finally, I mean, uh, two first-round picks, two second-round picks, you get Noah Fan, you get Shelby Harris, you get Drew Locke. If it, when it's all said and done, if Deshaun Watson is a Seattle Seahawk in 2022, even though he's going to be suspended for probably the first eight games of the season, do people look back on this and say, hey, man, because as you mentioned, they didn't have leverage. Do people look back on this and say, we're going to miss we gonna miss B. Wagner. We're going to miss Russell Wilson. But if we get the shine out of this, it was all worth it. Uh, I think so. I think initially, you know, you will hear some some understandable and justifiable pushback um, because of what Deshaun's being accused of with the civil suits and the sexual assault and um, everything there. Like, you'll hear some justifiable pushback like, hey, how can you how can you sign this guy or trade for this guy or make him the face of your franchise with what he's accused of doing? And the, but, like, in the NFL, as sad as it is, um, in the NFL, that stuff dies down. You know, you get some pushback for, like, a week. You trend on Twitter. People write some think pieces, talk about you on TV, and then they go buy tickets. Right? That's just kind of how the reality of the game goes, for better or worse. So, I think, yeah, if you, if you flip Russ for an equally talented version of him that's, like, nine years younger or whatever, um, then, yeah, I think that ends up being worthwhile uh, in the grand scheme of things for the Seahawks. Michael Sean Dugard, The Athletic Seattle, joining us here on 3 and Out. Michael, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Thank you guys for having me. Have a good one. Will we'll do. Michael Sean Dugard joining us here. And, again, Russell Wilson, uh, the big news yesterday, moving to Denver in the uh, the trade there and shaking things up in the National Football League. And we've had just more news involving quarter. Yesterday you had Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Carson Wentz on the move. I mean, it's a quarterback uh, merry-go-round right now, Ben. Yeah, Kevin, nothing, nothing moves the needle like them quarterbacks, right? And regardless of if you are Aaron Rodgers, you know, uh, you know, uh, back-to-back MVPs, Russell Wilson, who's been to a Super Bowl, big name, or you know, even Carson Wentz is still making news these days. Because uh, bottom line, when you go back to the playoffs, name a name a team that was in the playoffs that didn't have one of the top fifteen quarterbacks, maybe even the top ten quarterbacks. You can't to win this league. I mean, why you want to have complimentary defense if you don't have a, a top ten, top fifteen quarterback? It's going to be hard to win. I think Denver definitely got better. And like I mentioned, if Deshaun Watson can end up a Seattle Seahawk, they're going to have to deal with the PR uh, for the first month or so. But they'll die down once he get out there on the field. But that's neither here nor there now. They're going to have to get him out there in that two-tone green. Hey, we've got more to come here on 3 Now. Speaking of those quarterbacks, as we mentioned, Carson Wentz on a move. Who else might be on a move out there? We'll get to that next here. It's 3 Now on the Southern Pick. We have Russell Wilson moving. We have Aaron Rodgers re-signed. And today, then we get Carson Wentz. Going to Washington, quarterbacks on the move. Who's the next big name? 
you think we see out there potentially on the move at the uh, at the quarterback spot? Wow. Uh, I mean, for me, I mean, Carson Wentz is not a shocker to me. I know that after after you lose to the Jaguars, the last game <laughs> of the season to make it to the make it into the playoffs, you knew that he, uh, he had won that as welcome. But it was a lot of things that led up to that. Not just the last game of the season. That was just the icing on the cake. But I mean, Kevin, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be really really interested to see where a guy like Cam Newton ends up. I mean, I know people are gonna be saying, well. You know, it didn't work out in New England. Obviously, it didn't work out last year with Carolina. But I think it's all he kept saying he wanted to go to the right system. I think because now the commanders were a place I did think that Cam Newton would have a, a nice landing spot. Him and Riverboat Run, uh, you know, uh, you know, renewing their love for each other with uh, having so much success uh, at Carolina. But I've heard rumblings that maybe Cam Newton, you know, ends up at a place like, uh, you know, uh, like the Giants. Um, I think because, you know, to compete with Daniel Jones, Deshaun Watson, is the name to watch though. Deshaun Watson has to go to court about all you know about his many off the field allegations um, on Friday. So we'll be we'll get a we'll be, get a better sense of where he is because I think he finally gets to put the civil side behind him, not not the NFL side. But Cam Newton is going to be a big name, but Deshaun Watson is going to be the name. We talk about the Seattle Seahawks team that I mean they they need some good news right now. They don't have I mean I'm sorry Drew Lock is not the guy. They're going to try to so Deshaun Watson. Cam Newton, and uh, I know it isn't a sexy name, but James James Winston is going to be back. I've seen him in his rehab. He has a really really good shot to uh, end up back with New Orleans. But I mean, they got him. I mean, they got Taysom Hill, Trevor Simeon. If you even consider those guys yeah. viable options in twenty twenty two, but uh, Cam Newton, Deshaun Watson is going to be the big name, and James Winston is going to be a guy that's going to definitely get some looks. And unfortunately, I try to avoid this, but Mitchell Trubisky, I don't know what it is. About Mr. Trubisky, that people just won't let it go. That he still has all this left in the tank. He's obviously going to be a, a a big a big name, a big landing spot on one of these teams that definitely need quarterback help. Well, I mean, if you need a quarterback, I mean, we see it every year in the draft. You take a guy because you need him. You you get the uh, the fear of missing out on the quarterback, and you take a guy that's probably not a good fit, maybe not really a guy that you see going long term, and you, you draft him anyway. And again, but I think we're seeing that this year in this draft, where most people we've talked to here on the show say. Realistically, there's like two pretty good quarterbacks in this draft. Outside of that, there's not really first-round talent at the quarterback spot yet. We're talking ourselves into four, maybe five quarterbacks going in the first round. I mean, that that tells you. And I think we do that in in free agency and trades because you, you've seen it. If I've seen it once, I've seen it six times on uh, social media within the last 24 hours. If you don't have a quarterback, you might as well quit and, and uh, you know, Work for the draft next year, so everybody's looking at that, going, "Well, if I don't have a quarterback, you know what? Maybe Mitch can get us through." What? No, no you, you you've seen him now, not not get anybody through. Mm-hmm. What are what are, what are you doing? So I think people panic. Quite frankly, I know all every year around the draft, oh, we're going to stay true to our board. We're not going to panic. We're not going to do this. We're not going to do that. And every year, teams panic. Teams trade away picks so they can move up and get a quarterback. That everybody's going, really like. That's a top ten quarterback. Like no, no, it's 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 not. So, I mean, I look at teams that I that I really like in the National Football League, where you can honestly say they never panic in a draft. As long as he's been there, Patriots, Baltimore Ravens, Pittsburgh Steelers. You know the teams that panic in a draft, the teams that stink mm-hmm. seemingly every year because they're out there looking and chasing uh, guys that. They don't even have rated necessarily up there on their board, but I got to get a quarterback. Well, maybe there's a better one out there somewhere down the road. I, that 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 part just drives me nuts, Ben. When you, when you start talking about quarterback evals, it's like 
oh, I'm going to talk myself into this thing uh, one way or another because the, the fans will kill me if we don't draft a quarterback. Well, you just drafted a quarterback that you don't even believe in, really, but you had to get a quarterback, so you kind of talked up the positive attributes and made it made yourself feel good about it. Yeah, and, and, and Kevin, well, think about this. Think, think about what, another, what a quarterback really does, though. If you got a head coach that's preaching all this, and we're gonna we're gonna go through, you know, we're gonna have good uh, off season. We're gonna have good mini camps. Gonna have good training camps. Gonna have a good regular season. Gonna have good. And you start saying to yourself, "Well, dude, um, as players, you know, we watch football. We know who's good and we don't know who's not. You know who's not getting traded? Really, really good quarterbacks. And when they do, it's because the other team, like Seattle, they they didn't have a first round pick because of the Jamal Adams uh, re-signing last year. They didn't have a first round pick. Now they do." You want to know who's consistently good? Teams that have good quarterback play. And I said good. Now, now some of them get great quarterback play. But you got to at least be good. And I just think that when you start start talking about losing franchises, what do they have in common? Bad quarterback play. I know we're going to give Denver all this love because they got Russell Wilson. They've had like 11 quarterbacks since Peyton Manning. 11. So, So they've tried. So you can give a, you can give John Elway all this love, but he swung and missed a lot. But I think that sometimes, you know, Kevin, if you are talking about yeah. look look at every look at every sport. Every good team in any sport has one thing in common. We got solid play from our from, from the from the position that matters the most. In football, it is quarterback. Now I know people are gonna say, well, what about Trent Dilfer? Well, Trent Dilfer had Derrick Brooks, Warren Sapp, and John Lynch. Well, you know, okay, well, I mean, well, what about well, what about Brad Johnson? But well, Brad Johnson had Derrick Brooks and Warren Sapp. You know, I mean, I'm talking about Trent Dilfer. I'm sorry, uh, Trent Dilfer had Ray Lewis. I'm sorry, he had Ray Lewis. That's all you need to say. Like, that's all you need to say right there. That's the defensive MVP that year and MVP of the Super Bowl. So there are outliers, but we're talking about 2000 and 2002. All I'm saying is some of these young men coming to the league now, they probably just coming out the womb in 2000. <laughs> so, all I, so all I'm saying is, you you right, Kevin. There is you, you do panic, um, just like in just like in baseball, dude. I need a pitcher. Well, I don't need ten, but I need one. And if I don't got one, why? Because if we make it to the playoffs, he can, he, can, he can pitch multiple times. It can't be Moneyball ain't gonna Moneyball's not winning the World Series. Great movie now, but it's not winning the World Series. It sure as hell ain't winning the NFL. <laughs> All this notion of we just get a guy who no. No, no, no. So, and the outlier for that could have been maybe even the Philadelphia Eagles. Carson Wentz was really, really good. Guy hurt. Nick Foles got him through the playoffs. So, yes, basically the bottom line is if you don't have a good quarterback, it's going to be – you're going to have some peaks and, you know, you're going to have some moments and some good memories. You will not be horsing up, horsing up that, that Vince Lombardi because it's just hard to do. So, yes, unfortunately, if you have some value in the league and you just have to have QB next to your name – and the, and the team think you can help, you are you are always going to have some level of trade value. It's going to be interesting to watch how that quarterback movement continues. We'll come back because how does this movement affect a team like Atlanta? We see quarterbacks jumping all over the place, teams getting desperate for quarterbacks. We'll get to that when we return. It's three and out here on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Might make some people mad here uh, in, in, in this segment. You look at all the quarterbacks on the move, and you and I have talked about it. I know Cam's a big Falcons fan. But you start looking at, would it be in the Falcons' interest Mm -hmm. to trade a Matt Ryan? We talked about it yesterday on the show. And you say, well, I'll just say this. You would come back at me and go, well, why would you trade the best guy on the team? I appreciate that take, and I'm a Matt Ryan fan. I don't, it would hurt me as a fan to see Matt Ryan go. But you are just barely under the cap. 
We've had several people on to say, look, they don't really have that much money to spend in free agency. You have to rework some deals with a Grady Jarrett, with one of your offensive linemen, see if one of them will rework their deal. I guess uh, Matthews would be the most uh, obvious choice uh, to try to get more cat-friendly space because you don't have the money to go out and compete no. for a top-end receiver. <laughs> no. So if you see some of these guys that are free agents and they're like, oh, man, that, that's probably not going to happen. So as the roster is currently constituted, can you win by drafting weapons for Matt Ryan? Maybe. Right? I'm going to say maybe. But can you go out in free agency and address some of the problems? I don't know the Falcons are going to be able to do to do that and address a lot of it. And so you look back and say, we kept Matt. And, and I, I told Cam this during the break, man. I think the Falcons' moves last year were the right ones. You kept Matt Ryan. You got rid of Julio Jones. Why? Well, you still had Calvin Ridley. You still had some guys. You felt like, I still have... Years of Matt Ryan left, I can go out and win. Can I win with Matt Ryan if he has no help? No. And, and I'm not saying that as an indictment of Matt Ryan. I'm saying that as, look at your roster. You Ooh. tried to win last year with a running back wide receiver. That's hard. Presently, D. Orlando joined us, what, yesterday or two days ago and said the Falcons, if they had to open camp today, would have one wide receiver under contract. Right? I mean, so you don't have a lot of weapons. You have Kyle Pitts. Your running game, Mike Davis, sorry, that was a that was a, yep. a dud last year. Mm-hmm. Offensively, you need some help on the interior of that offensive line. Might it be in your interest, not the fans' interest, but might it be in your interest as the Falcons to see what you could get for Matt Ryan and try to rebuild this thing? All right, let me put my fandom to the side. Let me put my love of Matt Ryan to the side. Let me put my love of the Falcons to the side. Let me put my my you know my analyst hat on. All right. Kevin, on Monday, absolutely not. Tuesday, I don't want to hear that nonsense. Hump day, I'm coming around <laughs> to the to the to the notion for, for this reason. In the break, right? You know, I'm talking to Christian, and Christian says, "Listen, Atlanta by Matt Ryan far and away is the best quarterback in the division. It but is. The Falcons are far and away the worst team in the division. So you start saying to yourself." Am I sacrificing Matt Ryan because I know he still got some good years left for him? But it's something you it's something you always say about the Braves. You say, look, man, the two things you want, you listen, when it comes to the Braves, if you got a guy that's tradable, you use him why he has tradable value, because that goes away quick. Well, Matt Ryan has tradable value. And let's and let's think about it. Okay. Matt Ryan is the best quarterback in the division. We just talked. I am not talking about no Cam Newton. I am not talking good Lord, I'm not talking about uh, you know, um, no Mitchell Trubisky, right? But, but let me just throw a scenario out there. Right now, you don't got Calvin Ridley, so it's looking like Atlanta might go with a receiver eight overall. All right, but what if you can? What if you can trade a Matt Ryan and just say, and this is this is just just say a Deshaun Watson two days two days from now, and you can get into Deshaun Watson sweepstakes, right? And you can find a way to rework some stuff and get him. Now he's not going to play for eight games, but you got seventeen games now. Mr. Josh Rosen stand up. You know, Felipe Frank stand up. Kevin, if there is a dream scenario to where some kind of way you listen, now you're gonna have some camp casualties. Deion Jones, ugh, I don't know if he's gonna be a Falcon in 2022, right? Some of those offensive linemen, like Jake Matthews, they're gonna have to redo some contracts. Can you restructure Jared's contract because he's obviously a fixture, and you can and you can free up some money if you got a chance to get a Deshaun Watson. 
Would you even do it if you thought Jameis Winston could play quarterback for a year? And I, and again, I'm not saying that like I think Jameis Winston's gonna, but like it's, obviously it's, next year's college mm-hmm. quarterbacks, people think gonna be yeah. pretty good, pretty good uh, class coming out. Would you? I, I would say this. Would you would do say, it with the rest of the I roster? Say, I would say no for Jameis Winston because he's not the guy of the future. He's the guy for right now. When you got two guys, if you if you need like if you're trying to put a band aid on a flesh wound because that's what you're doing, you got Josh Rosen. And unfortunately, Felipe Franks for that. But if you got a chance to get Deshaun, now that's different because this is going to be the guy for the future. Now, I don't know how you're going to do it. Terry Fondo, he's been in the GM a long time. It's been almost two decades um, with New Orleans. But you would hope, right? People keep talking about these quarterbacks next year. That just means you go, are you, are you planning on being picked in the top 10? Because if Atlanta well, if you get rid of Matt Ryan, I would say you probably are. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. And, but, 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 Kevin, the reason why I'm coming around it is this. This is what people are going to say. 2022, you keep Matt Ryan. They go sub. They, you know, they say they win seven, eight games. They want, they Just say they sneak into the playoffs because you got two extra teams. They're a wild card. They go out in the first round. And you, you're going to start saying to yourself, all right, man, Matt, Ryan, Matt Ryan's not going to be tradable in 2023. Like, because, one, he's a year older. That contract goes way up. And people are not going to pick up that contract. So I think what it is is the business side of football is you don't want to lose Matt Ryan, but you're saying if we can – it depend, It always depends on what you're getting back, right? If you're getting back something – because, Kevin, we listen, is Matt Ryan's best years behind him? Absolutely. We, we, ain't, we ain't losing our minds with that. But are you going all in the 22 to win it all? No. Can you, can you beat Green Bay? Can you beat uh, – you know, I mean, who can you be? Well, no, I'm not even saying that. Uh-huh. I just, I, I, when I was talking to him, I was like, just looking at the team as it's currently constituted, you don't have a lot of cap space, so you're not going to compete for a number of free agents. You just aren't going to. I mean, you have to rework some deals to get some more space. Can you draft a squad good enough to to make Matt Ryan good? I mean, I, I think yes. you, I think I he mean, just, I, I think he just missed 5,000 yards for like the 10th year in a row yes. by just a little bit. So I, I I look at Matt Ryan and say, yes, he's t- still a capable quarterback. I, I agree with you there, Ben. I just look at it and say, hey, if we don't do anything else, we restructure a couple of contracts, you have one wide receiver under contract right now. I mean, can you draft enough to help your team out? Maybe. That's a big that's a big. No, no, not the draft. Now you can well, dra- I understand you, that, but what else do you have? You yeah, can't I, go get I, 12 I, I, free I, I agents. Would, I, I, mean, would say no, I would say no only because. Every single player in the draft is going to have a learning curve, right? Every single one. What happens is if you're drafting, you know, Drake London out of USC, right? right. Well, he's going to be your number one, right? I think Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson got us tripping over here thinking that guys going to just walk out their respective school and come in here and have all pro-type seasons. Now, he does have Matt Ryan because people – listen, what is significant with Kyle Pitts? He had Matt Ryan, so he's going to get him to rock, Right. Look at everybody that benefited from Matt Ryan. Roddy White, Roddy White with Michael Vick was, eh, he was all right. Roddy White with Matty Ice was a beast, right? Because Matty Ice is demanding and he understands what it takes. Now, can you draft good enough, Kevin, to get you over the hump to win this division? Maybe because you got the best quarterback, you got the worst team. Got to find a way to beat New Orleans. Got to find a way to beat Carolina. Carolina is loaded that freaking cornerback, too. I, I just think that. It seems like, Matty Ice, you got to take calls, Kevin, because if you can redo your roster, it's how you redo it. Because if you get rid of Matty Ice and James Winston, come and get off that plane, you well, don't no, have I, to but, explain but, that. But, but, no, I, I would explain it. I would be like, hey, James Winston's our quarterback until we get to next year. I mean, that's 
That's how I would explain it. I'm not signing Jameis Winston to like a five-year deal. I'm signing Jameis Winston to like a one-year deal and say, all right, Jameis, you're going to get a chance if you if you could even get him to, to, to sign on a one-year deal. So you're going to get a chance. Oh, he's going to get a one-year deal. I don't see nobody giving him a okay, so, yeah. so you give Jameis a one-year deal, and you see what happens you know, with him moving forward, and then you see where you land because there's going to be multiple quarterbacks in next year's draft that I think people think could be very, very good. Well, well, what is now, it, now, now, I'm not saying you go out and suck so you can get a top now, two pick. I will say, now, now, hold on. Now, 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 but could is, you get a next year's number one or, for trading Matt now, Ryan? This is something to think about, too. Now, okay, we, we keep talking about the quarterbacks in next year's draft. What about quarterbacks that are already in the league, right? Like, I mean, I'm just throwing, you know, Jalen Hurts, I mean, he's okay. People don't really, you know, he can't. Tua, the jurors say, I mean, I think Tua's a good quarterback. Do they really want him in mind? So you're going to have guys that got NFL, they got they got experience. Here's another thing. Kyler Murray, right? They want Kyler. Kyler Murray wants to be an Arizona Cardinal, but he's going about the wrong way. I just think you're going to have options at quarterback. I trust guys that's already, it's kind of like the transfer portal, what you were saying, Kevin. Why would I, why would I even recruit high school? But I got guys in the portal that's Phoenix College, and I can bring them on my squad. Well, NFL is the same way. I mean, I'd rather have a guy who's took, taking some bumps and bruises and you give him some weapons around him and see what he does. So I do think that this year is going to be very – because I do I do think if 2022, they're going to keep Matty Ice, this is going to be his last year. They're not bringing him back in 2023 because that, that cap hit is just too high. And so I think that if you can't if you can get something worthy – like one, the one thing you always need is money and drafts, draft picks. Well, they got the draft, but they have no money. So when it comes to this free agency pool, who can you get? I mean, they got they signed Bacavius Mingo last year. You saw how that ended up. This dude got legal issues too. Never made on the team. Everybody they got last year was was um you know like guys that got to take you know discounts because you know they want they they have no money. So I do think you got to look into it because you're right. You got to be thinking about the future and the present. Unfortunately for Atlanta. Matty Ice is the best quarterback in the division. You're on the worst, he's on the worst team in the division. And if you're going to keep him in 2022 and get nothing for it, you're going to look back on and say, man, what could we have potentially got for him? I just think it's an interesting time. I'm not saying the Falcons are going to do it. I, I just, to me, Ben, I look at it and say, yep, you have the best quarterback in the division. And it's tempting to go out there and say, you can do it. You can win this thing uh, with, with Matty Ice, get to the playoffs, and show some progress. Because Falcons fans obviously have not seen a lot of it since the Super Bowl run. Yes. Have not seen anything to get excited. And, and I hate chalking up years and say, we're just going to guarantee. I'm not even saying you try to get the first pick, but it's like, I, I think fans do not want to hear, well, we got rid of Matt Ryan, so we're probably going to be picking oh, in yeah, the top yeah, five. Yeah, they don't want to hear that. Yeah, you don't want to start that. But at the same time, I just look at where you're at with Matt Ryan and say, you have not much money to spend at free agency. How many guys can you realistically bring in there? And then in the draft, as you said, is it realistic to think you can draft four guys that can come in and really make a big impact immediately to help this Falcons team out? I, I, I don't know. I don't think so. It seems like a tall task to do for any team and say, hey, we're going to do it. We're going to win with rookies. Like, right? You know? Like, yeah. we're just gonna, like, look at Jacksonville. Oh, we're going to win with Etienne and Trevor Lawrence. I don't care if Travis Etienne was healthy last year. Jacksonville may not win more than three or four games. Of course, right? Of and, course. They, and they won three games anyway. So, and now he's going to have to have a, a, an official rookie season this year because he missed all that. Right. So it's very tough, I think, to go out there and do that and just say, "Hey, we're going to get the top guys we can get in the draft and try to win there." So the more you look at it, you say, "Is the cost of keeping Matt Ryan worth the cost of trying to build the team around him, or is it more beneficial to get what we can get from Matt Ryan, take a huge chunk off the top of the salary cap, and allow us to go out?" and rebuild this team for whoever ends up playing quarterback. I think you get a couple of different, you know, divergent kind of uh, philosophies there. It's like, hey, I need my quarterback first, and then I'll build a team. Or people that say, 
build a team and give me the quarterback to fit in with all that talent. I think a couple of ways you can look at it and through free agency, as you said, Ben, mm-hmm. and next year in the draft, there may be some guys that you can look at as quote-unquote franchise guys. Deshaun Watson's an interesting yeah, uh, is, situation because, again, he's got his own legal issues. How does that sit in the city uh, of Atlanta? I know he's a Georgia guy, but you say, hey, how does what he was accused of, how does oh, that yeah. stuff kind of sit yeah. with your fan especially, base? Especially, like he's especially, be- especially with a franchise like Atlanta who's had – had to deal with the Michael Vick situation. So I, Do you I'm start, not you saying know? they're out of it. I'm just saying I think that's that will be a consideration if you're trying to to go that route. So my guess would be if you trade Matt Ryan, you're not trying to get a franchise quarterback at this point. You're getting a guy who you think can tide you through a year or so and pick up one in the draft that can be your next eight, nine, ten year guy as a quarterback. I I don't want to see it happen, but I yeah. think as you said, from a logical take the fan part out of it. It makes a lot of sense. It does. It does. And the thing is, too, listen, Matty Ice, he's, he's done what you're supposed to do. He's supposed to make decisions hard hard to make because of how, because of how much he's meant to that franchise, how good of a – how consistent of a player he's been. But, Kevin, it's like it's like we said, if we in that front office, we saying to ourselves, look, man, it's business. Matty Ice gave us, what, 13, 14 years of production? Regular season MVP, Super Bowl appearance. He's more than done in a, in a division that had Tom Brady in it and Drew Brees in it and Cam Newton in it. And he still gave us that type of production. But you start saying to yourself, look, <coughs> do we want to kid ourselves? Because like you said, Kevin, if if getting rid of Matt Ryan gives us gives us some money in the cap and you're saying, hey, man, we're probably not going to be that good of a team. But what if we are a, a, a middle-of-the-road team and we're picking 14-15, but maybe the team we trade gives us the first-round pick to move up, it, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting because the the one thing that we ain't talked about this entire time is Arthur Smith. You don't even know what type of coach he is yet. Like they go get they they gave him like a slight mulligan in twenty twenty one. That's not happening in twenty twenty two. Especially when he pulled the whole not playing the starters in preseason and how the first month of the season looked. And when Mac Jones, a a rookie by the way, come to come come to, came to Atlanta on Thursday night. And oh my God, I mean I don't even want to talk about it. So it's a lot. Terry, listen, Terry Fontenot, sir, you're gonna be earning your money this this off season. But, Kevin, if they can find a way to get some nice draft picks, maybe get some veteran guys that you can bring in that you don't have to pay a lot of money, who knows, man? I mean, maybe because, like I said, Terry Fondo, he did it through the draft over there in New Orleans. We'll see if he can do that this year. We've got more to come here. It's 3 and Out, Southern Pigskin. Good to have you back here, 3 and Out, on this Wednesday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you are with us. So much to get to next hour. We'll take three right on the, the top of hour number two. Also, look at how these quarterbacks are moving around and, one of the latest uh, regarding those quarterbacks, and it uh, seems like a lot of folks coming around on the idea of trading uh, Matt Ryan uh, away from the Atlanta Falcons. We'll have the latest with Major League Baseball. Do we have a deal? Do we not have a deal? Are we ready to start playing baseball? Are we not ready uh, to start playing baseball? We also have conference tournaments going on uh, tonight. Georgia enters the SEC tournament uh, this evening, what could be Tom Crean's last game as the Bulldogs coach, and then you find out where the dogs want to go as it's Wiley Assume that a loss tonight, and that's it for Tom Crean. So Tom Crean is probably going to be gone, uh, Kevin. I mean, this probably. And, and the thing is, look, uh, AD did the best he can to try to, like, you know, I don't know, rejuvenate the spirit of Georgia basketball, whatever, whatever that is. But it didn't work out. I think, I think they're going to try to hire from within a person that just knows the culture. But uh, yeah, Tom Crean is probably going to be over him tonight. And who's who would have ever thought 
that a Georgia head coach with his demise will become to the hands of the Vanderbilt Commodores. <laughs> Probably gonna happen tonight. Yeah, what uh, is it, Jerry Stackhouse? Uh, yeah, coaching, yeah, yeah. Coaching Vanderbilt. We'll see Georgia in the SEC tournament coming up later tonight. We've got take three coming up in mere moments here on three. On this Wednesday, Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. A lot to get to this hour, including a lot of movement there with the quarterbacks in the National Football League. We'll get to that. Could we have a deal in Major League Baseball, or will it be the same old, same old? We'll get to that coming up a little bit later on the show as well. But first, let's take three here on 3 and Out. All right, Ben. Georgia Vanderbilt tonight in the SEC tournament. Obviously, a lot of folks saying it's going to be Tom Crean's final game as head basketball coach there at Georgia. What do you look for in the next Georgia coach to turn the Bulldogs basketball program around? Oh, man. I I do think, Kevin, I mean, uh, trying to hire from within could be, uh, could be uh, you know, something that definitely can help uh, Georgia. Because when we're talking about Georgia basketball, right, oh, my God, I mean, it's such an afterthought because Georgia's so great at football, right? I don't really know how, how good they are in baseball. But basketball is such a – it's almost like – what Georgia is in football, they're the in football, they're they're there of Vanderbilt in basketball. It's bad. <laughs> so I, I think, you know, obviously they're gonna be playing a team and Vander's got a guy like Jerry Stackhouse. Do you go get a former NBA player? I know that Alabama tried to do it with Avery Johnson, or, you know, do you go out there and try to get an assistant? I mean a hot shot assistant, because the thing is, Kevin, no matter who you get, what are they? What are they inheriting? Like, like I mean, we're a couple of years removed from Anthony Edwards being the number one overall pick, right? That has been Tom Green's claim to fame. There hasn't really been much to talk about since then. I mean, Georgia basketball is bad. So, I think the biggest direction is going to be: Do you get a hot shot? You know, assistant off another staff? Do you go get a? Do you go get a former coach who used to be in the NBA who's tired of the NBA hustle and bustle and wants to, and wants to quote bring his talents to Athens? And that's that's going to be a hard sell, Kevin, because at the end of the day, usually when it comes to certain schools, you go, oh, they're inheriting this. I don't even know what you're inheriting in Athens as far as, like, Georgia basketball. Tom Crean, I don't know what he thought he was going to do because it didn't work. It was bad. So, outside of number one overall pick, haven't really had a lot to show for us. So I don't know, Kevin. I think, listen, man, I think any, I think anything you decide, you just hope that it works because I don't even yeah. know what type. I don't even know what type of basketball team you're hearing at this point. A lot of talk about maybe getting a uh, Jonas Hayes yeah. uh, to come back. Jarvis Hayes, uh, both of whom played in the league for a long time, both Georgia uh, alum. So obviously, from the basketball side of things, uh, to me, that would make uh, a lot of sense. I think you need somebody that has that passion about uh, about Georgia basketball. Uh, to come in there, uh, Ben, and try to get that program turned around. Again, Tom Crean, you had the number one player in the draft, and obviously there were some personality issues and other who knows what else going on because you had a whole bunch of players leave the program and you coached this year with essentially a team full of transfers. Right? I mean, I think you had like eight or nine new guys in the program, which for a college basketball program, that's not supposed to happen. Yeah. Right? You're just Huge maybe three around. or four, four or five guys maybe at the most. Uh, but that is uh, that is a lot of turnover in the program, and it's hard to win that way. I, I, to me, Jonas or Jarvis Hayes, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a guy that you can come in that uh, can can come into the SEC. But I think you look at who who succeeded in the SEC, and you got to have a little bit of that that rock star attitude too. And I'm talking about who succeeded at non Kentucky, right? I mean, when Billy Donovan was at Florida, rock star. Right, Billy Donovan I mean, was Bruce, a rock star. Bruce, Bruce Pearl, Bruce Pearl rock, Bruce rock star. Pearl, yeah, I mean now at uh, at uh, at Tennessee, it's uh, I think it's what Rick Barnes. Yeah, Rick Barnes, rock star coach. Been been at Texas, been been at Virginia. He's been all over and, and won. 
Rockstar head, head, head basketball coach there getting it done. I think even in, at a place like Arkansas, you get Eric Musselman, who was uh, Eric Musselman, former NBA guy, uh, and has come through back into the college ranks and had a lot of success. He's kind of got that, that rock star vibe to him. So I think you get a coach like that that can help turn the program around, and that seems to be what works in the SEC because you have to have something to draw the attention away. I mean, well, well, from the, the football name. side, well, here, well, say, hey, we're over here playing too. Well, here's the name. I mean, I, you know, Cam ain't like this, just like this. Until you get a Mark Jackson. He don't seem to be getting no – nobody <laughs> seems to be wanting to uh, hire him in the NBA right now, and I don't know how much money uh, Georgia can pay him, but I'm just I'm saying, I'm sure that's man. not a problem. They got a, that, that athletic department's probably so pretty I, good So, I mean, do you go get a Mark Jackson to say – because think about this, Kevin. I mean, if you can – look, you can get Georgia basketball to be competing consistently. That is about, that, that is going to be one of the best coaching jobs I've ever seen, especially in an SEC that, let's face it, it's all about Kentucky, right? If LSU got a Ben Simmons, who they still don't make the tournament, that, that's going to be a target. Tennessee has been good as of late. Florida has, obviously, the history and obviously what Bruce Pearl is doing in Auburn right now. Alabama, you know, I mean, they had a Colin Sexton, I mean, you know, what, not too many years back, but you go out there and get you a Mark Jackson, man. The, the NBA don't want you. Come on, you know, come <laughs> on to come on back to the come on to the SEC. Come on, uh, come on to college basketball. All right, moving along. Take two. Who is the best available quarterback? Wow. So not true. Who's just who's the best available quarterback out there? I mean, well, the best of <laughs> I mean, the best available quarterback is Deshaun Watson. You just got you just got to wait and see what's he going said, on. He said, "Well, he's not available." Yeah, yeah. I, well, mean, uh, <laughs> I, I would yeah. say, I would say, oh my God, the best available quarterback right now. I know, I, and you I, could go a draft guy. No, no, I mean, they're I, available, so I mean, yeah, I I know this is a, well. I, I I try to stay away from the draft guys, man, because it's all it's going to be all about the system and the fit. Unfortunately, by default, the best available quarterback might be Jameis Winston. Because the thing about Jameis Winston is, obviously we go back to when he was at Tampa Bay 30 for 30, and then he ended up, uh, he was actually playing well before he got hurt with New Orleans. He wasn't playing bad. And he's a guy that, I mean, look, he has talent. You know, he can, he can push the ball down the field. He's going to have to work on those turnovers. But he, he he's, a, he's a proven commodity. Like, I mean, obviously you're not going to like his last year. But think about this. There is only one quarterback in Bruce Arians' system that played well, and that's Tom Brady. Nobody else in his system played well. Not Carson, not Carson Wentz. I mean, Carson Palmer. I mean, not 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 being Rosenberger for a couple of years when he had him. Not Peyton Manning when he had him as a rookie. So a lot of guys throw a lot of picks when they had him. You know, Derek Carr and so on and so forth. I think that Jameis Winston is a guy. You know, Kevin, that you know, right system, man. I think he could definitely he could definitely help you win some games, man. You're gonna have to pay. You're gonna have to have some weapons around him. You're gonna have to tell it offense to where. You know, kind of like more, kind of like more dink and dunk, safe, safe throws, because you know he trusts his arm. But I like Cam. You know, you know, I, I'm, I'm a fan of Cam, but I gotta trust what I'm seeing on the tape. And Cam Newton is not who he used to be. Cam need to go back to wearing regular clothes and cut his hair down to a nice fade. Because since he got the dreads and walking around looking like Captain Crunch, I just, I just, <laughs> I'm just saying, man. I don't know what's up with Cam. He ain't been the same. He ain't been the same. Love Cam, but every time you see him. You'd be like, dude, where the hell are you going? Like, you got this dressed up to go. You go to David Buster's, like, you know. So, <laughs> I, 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 just, I just think for me, for me, I, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with James Winston. Might be the best, uh, best available right now. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's probably for right now. I mean, Kyler Murray is he quote available? Yeah, yeah, it, uh, it, ain't, a lot, it ain't a lot of available ones out there right now. We're moving along. Take three. All right, Ben, this is important because you and I talked about this before the show. How freaked out are you going to be? Of the large Joro oh spiders. Oh my god! I don't know if you've heard about this. Apparently, they have come over from like Japan, 
and have come to Georgia, and the the scientists are saying they're going to, you know, be an invasive spider. They're going to go all up and down the East Coast. And how do they move? They make little parachutes, and they come floating around in the sky, and then they land, and that's how they move up. Like, Dad, are you afraid of the – and they're like the size of a, of a, of a kid's a, hand. Of a baby's hand or a child's hand. Of a baby's hand. hand. It, it, <laughs> now Cam's scared to go I'm home. Saying, all right. Okay. <laughs> Are you freaked out? You're gonna see yes. like a bunch of spiders just parachuting in the air yes. all over the place. Hell yeah. <laughs> hell like 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 hell yeah. Cause cause this is the thing, right? This is the thing. All right. You ain't never heard a person say I like spiders. I've never heard that. And apparently this they they can't hurt people because their 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 fangs aren't big enough to to get you. All I'm saying is this. We, we're talking about <laughs> we're talking about a worst case scenario. When you see a spider, the one thing you say is, get away from it, it might jump on you, right? But you got to get close enough. No, this spider can fly. It can parachute. <laughs> kind of. Kind of, yeah. And it's easy to spot because it's the size of a child's hand. Now, it depends on what size. Even though, it, basically, that's a, that's a spider that's big as hell. That's a big old spider. All I'm saying is my worst nightmare has come to life. I don't want to deal with insects, period. I don't want to deal with big grasshoppers. I don't want to deal back in the day. I don't want to deal with cockroaches that can fly. You know, I definitely don't want to deal with a baby hand-sized tarantula that can, that can, <laughs> that can parachute. This is crazy. And the thing is, right? They, I know they were trying to lighten the load, I guess. But then they said, now all, all, all down the East Coast. No, what they, you mean? Apparently, like they've come over in. They said they like maybe made their way over in like a shipping container, and they they're basically in Georgia right now. Listen. And over the next coming months, they're going to work their way up the East Coast. And how they move is they, like, get these little webs and they basically, like, parachute with spider webs through the air. And then they land in wherever they're going to, like. Listen, listen. Get you, listen. Uh, <laughs> no, no, all I'm saying is this. If there's a company out there that can make some type of, like, steel fly swatter, yes. but you got to make it so it can. Because I'm going to be batting. The, all I'm saying is, I don't right, know if it's going to be rain inspired, but they, apparently that's how they move around. They get up in the I air mean, and they fly I mean, around. when I saw it, I said, what? Like, what the hell is this? <laughs> like, like what, are you serious? Like, and how big? Uh, the size of a child's hand? That's pretty good little that, size that, if you think about yeah, it. Yeah, it's real big. All, Kevin, Cam, everybody listening, y'all be careful out there. Because all I'm saying is, right? We know about it. Think about it. We read about it today. So we going to kind of be on the lookout. Y'all going to be at the beach just chilling. And y'all going to be like, what the hell is that? What is just, what? This thing just, what? And, you know, and, you know, uh, Charlotte from Spider, uh, from Charlotte's Well coming down. <laughs> All I'm saying is be careful out there. I don't know what we did to deserve this. Listen, my brother, through- listen, my brother, listen, my brother is in truck and he knows about the containers. I said, listen, man, y'all need to go check these containers, man, because we got yeah. we got shack size spiders for the yeah. parachuting in the Addies. Yeah, large they're they're called I'm terrified Jor- by Joro them. spiders. They parachute all over the place. And uh, Okay. Let's go to the phones. Apparently Ray needs to talk to uh let's go to Ray in Brunswick. He needs to talk to Ben. Ray, welcome. You're live here on three and out. Hey guys. I didn't know anything about these spiders until y'all came on air, and I'm with Ben. The only thing is, Ben, you got to think outside of the box. We need to just go ahead and get Governor Kemp to legalize flamethrowers because <laughs> nothing else is going to work. No, no, no. 
But hold on, hold on. But, but this, hold on. This is the thing, though, Ray. Hold on, hold on. But see, but see, Ray, when you think flamethrowers, you're thinking, you're thinking civilized. Uh-uh. You legalize flamethrowers, we're going to be shooting down more than hand-sized tarantulas flying in the air. It's going to be, you know, we go, so I, mean, I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Now, should there be a frame, a flamethrower in the general vicinity? Yes, but we got to come, we got to come to have a come to Jesus moment to decide who can we trust with the flamethrower. And we got to check. I don't know if you could check the 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 the, the, the flamethrower level to see, man, have you been shooting this thing? Because I kind of smell some gas coming out your backyard last night. But I, I do like where your head is at, Ray. The only thing is, you know, we don't do nothing. We don't do nothing like in modesty. We 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 you know, we do that thing to the max. That's right. That's right. Ray, we appreciate the call. Thanks so much. Yeah, it says the, the, the story I read said they are expected to colonize the East Coast. Oh my so, god. Yeah. So now so 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 we so now so now so now we got spiders colonizing things. You know what, man? We need to calm down, man. I'm says just saying, that the, uh, the, the murder hornets and then uh, now we're on to uh, large Joro spiders. Here's a picture. I, I can't put it up on the on the thing, but can because y'all can look at it. I mean, there's a picture of one. Are you serious? And that and his fangs ain't big enough. No, they said their fangs are not big enough to. to that's like something supposed to be in the zoo. And make you feel better living here on the coast. They said they they only expect to go so far north because they don't know how like, uh, what's the word I'm looking? At? How how much cold they can withstand? So come on, they probably said like come from, on, Virgi- from like Virginia down. We'll be, <laughs> oh my we'll be, goodness, we'll be uh, invaded by these spiders. They'll be everywhere. All right. I mean, I don't know what we did to deserve this, but y'all, y'all be careful. Are you are you like definitely afraid of spiders? Uh, yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. A, I mean, if I got to kill one, but I, I ain't. I ain't no, I'm not with no spiders. Okay, I see. Like that's the thing. Like I'm not touching a spider. I will. I will pick it, get it outside, or I will assassinate it. I will not. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not. But like, like my like my wife just like she is afraid of spiders. But like I trade that off because there's if there's one thing like I really don't care for is like frogs, and we have. Little tree frogs all over the place, and like I'm not picking up a little frog now. Like I'm not Whoa, messing with. Oh, you will pick up a spider, but won't pick up a frog. Yeah. Oh I don't, my I, no, I, I, no, I don't. I got a bunch of little frogs. So you, so house. you pick up a frog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so I, you I, will pick up a frog, but you won't pick up a spider. I'm not coming to a spider. I'm not messing <laughs> with a spider. Because the spider, the thing about a frog is, I can kind of get it in my hand. A spider, you know how like they got that suddenness to them. You try and they move real fast. <laughs> and if a spider is in your sight and then it's out of your sight, you like, oh god, where'd it go? I See, the frogs get me because they can jump like a long way. Well, this one can parachute. Yeah, that's true. The spiders will be parachuting in a backyard near you. <laughs> I'm going I'm I'm to be getting my batting practice on if I see one. <laughs> How about that? We got more to come here. That's take three. We do it every day. This time it's three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio. Good to have you here. Three and out on this Wednesday. Quarterbacks on the move. We talked could or should the Falcons move Matt Ryan in this climate where they're at. But right now in the AFC West, Ooh. you are just stacked uh, there with quarterbacks, Ben. And uh, that's going to be a tough division to win. And, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, that later with uh, Russell Wilson. And, you know, does he need to win another Super Bowl? In that? But, I mean, in, in that division, Pat Mahomes seemingly has done nothing but get to at least AFC championship games and Super Bowls uh, in the last handful of years. You now have Russell Wilson uh, in there. You now have people who think you know Justin Herbert might be one of the next big deals in the National Football League, and then of course you have Derek Carr, who I think classically uh, gets overlooked because I mean it's Las Vegas, it's mm-hmm. the Raiders, mm-hmm. it's it's the sideshow, it's it's everything but what's happening. And I think Derek Carr is be good. Would I say he's like my top five court? No, but I think he, he people think about Derek Carr and they. You would think they put him next to like Trevor Lawrence or something in terms of like his productivity. Like he's a good quarterback. 
during that league. How, how do you see those quarterbacks in that division? Then you like juxtapose it with the NFC South, and it's like Matt Ryan and nobody, <laughs> nobody else. <laughs> wow, just goes I to mean, show how loaded it is. There. That, yeah. a, that AFC West is it's, it's not arguing. It is the toughest division of football this year because of what just got at number one. Is, I mean, obviously, easy number one is Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, boy, find a way to go out there and get it done. I mean, you look at those. You look at his weapons. Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, you know, Demarcus Robinson. You guys, I mean, he and he got that. They got that uh, continuity with each other. They just, they just, I mean, familiarity with each other, going out there, getting it done. Now, I'm gonna say this: people are not gonna like it. I think number two is Justin Herbert. The thing about Justin Herbert is, man, it's not his fault why they ain't winning. It's the freaking defense, and you got Derwin James. I mean, you got guys that can, you know, go out there and really help you, man. But you just. Ain't getting it done right now. So, for me, I think Justin Herbert. They just re-signed Mike Williams. I mean, I'm just saying, man. I mean, when you think about when you think about different guys, you know, they they, you know, they flat out get it done with Jay Herbert and those guys. I think Justin Herbert's number two. Now, number three, easy. Russell, last name Wilson. Russell is leaving Tyler Lockett, DJ Dallas, DK Metcalf. Now, he gets Albert O'K. He gets Corlin Sutton. He gets Jerry Judy. But while Derek Carr is my number four, I could easily have, and the people ain't going to like this, I could easily have Derek Carr number three, but not because he got Darren Waller, because he got Hunter Renfro, but he also got Josh McDaniels. I think Josh McDaniels' offense is going to really help Derek Carr. But, Kevin, you talk about a division, right, that last year, right, two teams made the play. I mean, two teams made the playoffs. That would be the Raiders and Kansas City. Kansas City obviously got that continuity with Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid. Rich Basacci was the head coach of the Raiders when they got rid of uh, John Gruden, and they still made the playoffs. Darren Waller got hurt some of the year, by the way, and they still made the playoffs. So all I'm saying is, while Kansas City, I mean, uh, Patrick Mahomes is obviously the clear-cut number one, Justin Herbert flat out gets it done. Right now he's kind of doing that Matthew Stafford. Like he's giving you those big numbers, but the team around him ain't really helping him that much. And obviously, you know, you're going to look at uh, Russell last name, Wilson being my number three. But Derek Carr, while he's number four, it, it's, it's closer than people give it credit because he's been to the playoffs last year, and he did it without a without his uh, head coach, with, a, with an interim head coach, without his best player in Darren Waller. So I think you add Josh McDaniels, we'll see. But, you, but as far as like that, that division as a whole, Kevin, it is top to bottom. I mean, look at these receivers. I mean, Mike Williams, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, Travis Kelsey, uh, Keenan Allen. Good Lord. Like, you got some of the best position players in the league. It's going to come down to who can beat Kansas City because it's going to be their division to win. Is Russell Wilson, you know, real good? And maybe that team just been losing so much they got to, you know, get out of the dark ages because while we the Los Angeles, the Las Vegas Raiders has gotten better. Justin Herbert. Got it, got it, brought one of his weapons back. We'll see, Kevin, but yes, Patrick Mahone, boy, Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson, Derek Carr. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you uh, there. I, I really feel like, like I said, I feel like you, you disrespect Derek Carr when you put him down there, but it's like, I mean, compared to some of those other guys, that's a tough resume. That might be your, if, we, if you're, Okay, if you're looking at if you're looking at the, if you're looking at the AFC West compared to all the AFC quarterbacks, right? I mean, if you had Patrick Mahomes still gonna be number one, I would say maybe Josh Allen might be number two or uh, Lamar Jackson, right? Number three, Joe Burrow, number four. Do you? I mean, are you talking about Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson, 
Derek Carr. Because what? Ryan Tannehill? Ain't nobody worried about him? I mean, so I, I do I do think that that NFC West is, you, you know, you got the top-tier quarterbacks, some of the top-tier quarterbacks in the same division, which means that's going to bowl well for a team, for other teams, you know, in, in other divisions. Because, I mean, I don't think you're going to have three teams coming out in the playoffs. But, hey, man, Russell Wilson definitely adds to it, man. I, look, I was out there in the AFC West when I played with the, the Oakland Raiders. <laughs> Wasn't nothing happening. Get the helmet <laughs> out of us. And what, and that, that's when, but that's when Phillip Rivers and the Chargers were just running through the division. And then, you know, so I, I, just, I just think that Russell Wilson adds a different dynamic. Justin Herbert hasn't made the playoffs yet, but it hasn't been because of him. I mean, the guy has been incredible. We'll see if Derek Carr being able to benefit from a Josh McDaniels, a healthy Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, got to replace uh, got to replace Henry Ruggs because obviously he's no longer with them what they do in the draft. But this whole division top to bottom, man, it could be anybody's. I know I got Kansas City winning it, but, I mean, anything can happen depending on if those other teams could uh, keep pace. Yeah, we've got more to come here on three and out. Certainly quarterbacks always in the news, and there could be some on the move. Who are some of these uh, guys out there that still have to find a landing spot? And who else could be on the move? We'll get to that next here. It's three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Love to hear from you on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. We are streaming live ESPNCoastal.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Good to have you back here. Three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. We'll get the latest with the MLB negotiations as they continue here on a Wednesday. Some thought that if they can come to a deal today, you could still get guys back in camp this weekend and have uh, the full 162 Maybe only delaying the season by about three days. So we'll get to that coming up in just a little bit. But we talked a lot about quarterbacks today. Matt Ryan, certainly, uh, if you're the Falcons, what to do there. But there's still a lot of quarterbacks that could be on the move. What do you see happening uh, here at the at the quarterback spot? Obviously, with guys like Cam Newton still out there, mm-hmm. uh, Mitch Trubisky out there, mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson, as you said, uh, there are guys currently on teams that have had conversations uh, potentially or rumors thrown out there. Matt Ryan. Uh, certainly Kyler Murray out in Arizona. I mean, how much more movement do you think we see in this QB market? I think, Kevin, because it's a, it's a QB's game, and, uh, you know, if uh, the roll of the dice, obviously, is going to favor those teams that got a solid QB. I have heard, you know, you know, and obviously when I say I've heard, my sources come from Twitter. I will not name them. <laughs> but I've heard that uh, the team that's going to go all in for Deshaun Watson is the Carolina Panthers. And the thing about it is, is Cam Newton didn't work. P.J. Walker didn't work. Sam Donald didn't work. They want to go all in out. Deshaun Watson. Goes to the Carolina Panthers. They are the team to beat in the NFC, and that's and that's taking nothing away from you know uh, Green Bay uh, teams like that. But I do think Jameis Winston is going to have a market. I do think Cam Newton is going to have a market. Uh, you know, I think. I mean, you know, uh, we, we'll see what happens with a guy like Teddy Bridgewater, or you know, we'll we'll see. But I just think Kevin. Now, you know, you realize how scarce it is. To have solid quarterback play, like it's bad. Like we were talking about, the, we were talking about the AFC West. You take those four guys out, the rest of the AFC is very dismal, as far as like because no, no more being Roethlisberger gone, right? Think about the players. No more Tom Brady in the NFC gone. We're not too many years removed from Andrew Luck retiring. No Drew Brees gone. No Phillip Rivers gone. And now I think what happens is you, you're trying to force certain guys to be better than what they are. Carson Wentz, he goes to the commanders. And if he was that good, he would still be with Philly. Since he signed his new deal, he's been with two teams since. That shows you how good Carson Wentz is. Deshaun Watson 
It's never ever about his play on the field. It's about his off-the-field decisions. And we'll see what happens with him come come Friday. Cam Newton, I really don't, I really don't understand it. I mean, he went to New England, didn't work. He was at Carolina, you know, the whole coming home thing. That didn't work. Now he's saying, I want to go to a uh contender. You're gonna give Cam Newton a ring, right? Uh I'll throw a name out there. It's Josh Rosen. Do people think he still got something left in the tank? Mitchell Trubisky is still being interviewed like he can really help a franchise. Here's another name. Now, you're talking about a blast from the past. Marcus Mariota. Now, I know he's a backup right now with the Raiders. Can he? Can, does he still have a market? Because I do think certain coaches, a lot of times when you talk about some of these coordinators, they're, they've worked with certain guys in the past, whether as a quarterback's coach or a coordinator or, you know, a quality control coach. So, Kevin, for me, I mean, Deshaun Watson, Jameis Winston, Mitchell Trubisky, Cam Newton, Marcus Mariota, you know, and we'll, we'll see because most of the time a guy like Chase Daniels, I don't see that being, being much of a market for him. I think he's a career backup. But if you can help an NFL franchise – Get you to that 2022 draft, which is what everybody's banking on. It's supposed to be that year. Plus, a lot of these, plus we're going to probably end up having four or five quarterbacks drafted in the first round now, Kevin, because you see how dismal it is out there. Because there are a lot of teams right now, they have nobody. I mean, I know that uh, Kyle Trask is supposed to be the guy at Tampa Bay. Uh, no, they, they have nobody in Carolina. They have nobody right now in New Orleans. They have nobody right now in Houston. I know Kirk Cousins still plays in Minnesota. What does that mean? So I, I I do think it's going to be a lot of teams vying for quarterback help. So with the, with the rookies coming in in this year's draft, and the guys we just mentioned, it, it should be a quarterback market. I don't think outside Deshaun Watson, Cam Newton, I don't think it's going to be nobody else that's going to be like quote you know uh, getting their seven to two hours of, uh, of uh, press time when they do decide to sign. Yeah, again, it's going to be interesting to see. Obviously, it's the uh, the marquee position. You're going to have a lot of other free agents that are going to be uh, out there. Uh, in, in free agency, I think uh, Stephon Gilmore is going to be out. There are going to be a lot of big-time players been out there looking to get their, get their dollars, but obviously teams are going to work around setting their franchise up with those quarterbacks. Well, and that's as, as where they should. That's where they should. Look, football one-on-one when it comes to the National Football League, I know we get enamored with these. Can I get a left tackle like Joe Thomas that I can put in for the next 10 years? Or a potential Jonathan Ogden. Can I get a linebacker like a Devin White that I can put in a, that can, or, or Bobby Wagner? Can I get me a receiver like Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson or Julio Jones? Can I get me a running back, you know, uh, like a like, like you know, like a Saquon Barkley or Ezekiel Elliott when they first came in or Adrian Peterson? Who cares? You need a quarterback. Back. Like all that stuff means nothing. Look at the playoff teams. They had quarterback play, solid quarterback play. They didn't have to be MVP candidates, but if your quarterback is eh, it's gonna be a long year. Because Kevin, I mean, the thing about this is, I mean, Cleveland, Baker Mayfield, they gave him everything. They gave him Odell. I mean, they gave him Jarvis Landry, they gave him Austin Hooper, they gave him, they gave him a, a, a Kareem Hunt. I mean, they gave him Nick Chubb. They gave him David Njoku. Lost. I'm telling y'all, you're trying to make him. Think about this. They're two starting defensive ends with number one overall picks. Miles Garrett. Uh, you're talking about Jadavion Clowney. Lost. So, I just think that if, if you can get you a good, good quarterback, you got a shot because you know a team that need a quarterback? That would be the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's another team. Mason Rudolph, I don't see it. I just do not see it. So we'll see some of these guys, Kevin, as you know, get, get bigger contracts than they should and get more praise than they should because of the position they play. Brock Osweiler, Trevor Simeon, Kirk Cousins, Mitch Trubisky, Marcus Mariota. Yeah. Hey, man, I ain't mad at them. They can throw that rock. They get a chance. Because somebody think that, you know, everybody think they're that project guy. I, oh, man, if I get in my system, I th- I'm telling you, I can help. He's been in the league eight years. Yeah, but I'm telling you. So we, we'll see. But I do think Jameis Winston, Deshaun Watson, Cam Newton, 
maybe Mr. Trubisky might be breaking news whenever they decide to sign with some franchise. We've got more to come here on 3 and Out on this Wednesday. We'll get the latest from the MLB negotiations. Says, are we going to have a deal today or are we not playing baseball? We'll give you the very latest uh, when we come back. It's 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio. We'll be back here on 3 and Out on this Wednesday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you're making us a part of your day. And uh, Ben, we are in yet another deadline day for Major League Baseball uh, or I think Rob Manfred had said we'll cancel more games if we can't get a deal done uh, by this evening. It seems like uh, in the negotiations, we're getting very close. Uh, and a lot of people are now saying the players should probably take. Uh, and I know the players have uh, gone back and forth. The owners did move on some things. But you look at how far apart they are, Ben, and you've kind of got to the the give and take situation of the owners have come up. You're not that far apart, really, on the money. Uh, they've agreed to come off some things. They're arguing over an international draft uh, at this point, which the players' union doesn't want. I think the uh, the owners have said, well, we don't need an international draft. We're willing to wait three or four years to do it, uh, but we don't really even need that if you'll allow us to do qualifying offers. Basically, a qualifying offer, I don't know if they had those in the National Football League, but basically you can, uh, if you have a guy who's a, uh, a potential free agent, you give him a qualifying offer, that other teams can then potentially match, but a qualifying offer also allows you to to match what anybody else uh, may may give you out there in uh, in free agency as well. So the owners kind of want that. The players not too big on that. They also don't want the international uh, draft. But as far as the CBT is concerned, you're not that far apart. And so a lot of people say, hey, the owners have come up a pretty decent amount from their original offer way back when, enough so that if you're the players, you could claim a W. The owners could potentially claim a W and not forestall this thing any further, but it appears we're in that part of the negotiation where we're hung up on the final couple of details. I know the uh, the owners apparently have a phone call amongst themselves to try to see where they stand, but it seems to me like you want to get the full 162 win, if you want to stop with the, the damage potential to the game, you're close enough where are you willing to die? Is it, like you, you hear this a lot when you're buying a house or buying a car, and it's like, are you willing to, to, to die on a hill for a thousand bucks, right? Are you willing to not get this house for a thousand dollars? You willing to not get this car for a thousand bucks? You go, hey, it's a thousand dollars. Well, it is, but then you look at the grand scheme of things. Are you going to do a mortgage yet? Well, that thousand bucks over the course of your mortgage is probably costing you two dollars a month. So you're going to walk away from the whole deal over two dollars a month, or you're going to make a deal. Are you going to walk away? You know. So I think we're kind of getting closer to that point that maybe we'll get get baseball. Yeah, it, it, it sounds very encouraging, Kevin. Because the thing is, right. I'd rather y'all be bickering over a couple of things because we ironed out everything else than to be like, well, dude, we can't even get these two things before we can get to the to the big uh to the big items. It's gonna be give and take. If you've ever negotiated anything in your life, you don't have to be a professional athlete and dealing with owners to have say you've negotiated, like you mentioned, Kevin, to, to, if you've ever the first thing you ever negotiated was probably a car. And the dealer has an idea of what you should pay, but you're the one who having two pairs, so well, that ain't really what I want to do. So y'all go back and forth. You know, you start out with, well, I want a black car, you know, with leather, and then, you know, well, I end up getting a white car with, you know, with certain seats. Because <laughs> now, same car, different color, different, 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 uh, you know, different interior, things of that nature. I think that's what it's coming down to. Because, Kevin, as you mentioned, for all, for everybody that thought that they was going to, uh, you know, not play every game. No, they're going to play those games. It's going to be more doubleheaders, <laughs> a.k.a. Apple. Yeah. Remember Apple? See, that's that's having a contingency plan. So people go, why would you let Apple come out and say we're looking forward to doing the streaming with the double headers on Friday? Because that means we think we're gonna get a deal done. Yeah. 
Now, it is encouraging because I do think that the the, the, the owners learn a lot about the players in this go-around. We talk about negotiating. Say, listen, man, these guys are playing hardball. These guys are letting us know that they've come a long way as far as, like, understanding the negotiating table. We as the owners, owners, owners think like owners in all, in all, uh, all across sports, football, basketball, baseball, hockey, what may have you. So, and they all know each other, right? So they're doing this for more or less, hey, man, we can't, we got to look like at least give the perception that we're playing hardball because we don't want to give any enthusiasm or encouragement to these other players in these other sports. But I do, I do feel good, Kevin, because once again, as long as they say we're not talking, that's when you, yeah. they are talking. Yeah, 20 minutes, 20 minutes is not a long time, but that's still getting something yeah. done. And hopefully they can keep that going, Kevin. And hopefully say, all right, man, we don't like it. You know, or in the in the B, in the BJ minute, we don't feel good about it. But like you said, Kevin, at the end of the day, man, if it's a chance for us to get back out there, man, because at the end of the day, y'all gonna be making money hand over fist like you wanted to. But and because of kind of like this, this dark space we've been in as far as like, <laughs> you know, lovers of the game or, you know, just baseball enthusiasts, you are looking for anything right now yeah. to get back out there on the field. Yeah, and apparently they're they're getting close. Uh, they're closer. Uh the the CBT for twenty twenty two. You're two million dollars apart for this year's CBT. That's, that, that's, that's, that's so, great price. So, so when you're talking about how far apart, I mean, two million dollars in a billion dollar business is not that far off. You're on the on the out years. You're eight million dollars off. So in 26, the players want eight million more than what the owners are offering. That's a lot, but it's not really. You're right. right? I mean, you're talking about maybe one contract for a guy. You know, out there uh, that that could be the difference in $8 million. And again, I, I've said from the beginning, Ben, the CBT is one of those things where the players, I, I, I understand it somewhat, but I'm not so sure why they're so dug in on the top number. Because they do want to, the, the, the teams to be able to spend more, which means more money in their pocket. But you have not addressed the teams that aren't going to spend no matter what the top is. Right? I mean, at least in the NFL, you have to spend a certain amount. It is mandated by the CBA that you can be the worst team. I can be the cheapest owner in the NBA, but guess what? You're going to spend that cheese. Yes. You are going to spend this much money at the very minimum on your roster. They don't have that in Major League Baseball. And to me, the players, I think, should argue for that some because people would say, well, if we put a floor in there, we've kind of put a cap. No, raise it $100 million. Certain teams are not going to spend more money. Like, And I would even go so far to say the Braves. Raise the, C- raise the CBT level $100 million. The Braves and Liberty Media aren't going to spend $80 million more million. They're going to say, hey, Terry McGurk, Alex Anthopoulos, here is our budget. That is what we are willing to spend. If we think, we saw last year, Braves look like they could make a World Series run, we're willing to give you a few more million. They're not going to go up $60 million. They're just not going to do it. So I, I don't know why they're so dug in on the top. I mean, I kind of understand it, but I don't understand why they're so dug in there and haven't addressed the owners who simply will not spend. And you see reports of guys saying, look, some of these owners at the bottom made more money in revenue sharing than they spent on their whole roster, which, 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 so, which, which is ridiculous. So you're get, so so just to say that you are getting more money through TV deals, through rights agreements, through other teams sharing revenue with you than you are spending on your roster, and you say I can't spend no more. Like, come on, that, I think that's a big. But apparently, we are we we are not that far off. It seems like the international draft has been a hang up. Some of the players don't want it. David Ortiz actually has been a guy that's outspoken about not wanting to do it so quickly. Uh, and I think MLB is looking at it like, hey, is there corruption? You say, how's there corruption? You look at Dominican Republic, countries like that, where now with no draft, 
I mean, Ronald Acuna, people forget, the Braves had a deal in place with Ronald Acuna when he was like 16 years old. So that's the kind of stuff I think Major League Baseball is like trying to avoid where you get these academies and you get agents in the size of these kids where you're, you're again, you think college football recruiting is bad? Oh, it's crazy. With international baseball. That's, pipe, that's pipeline I'm just saying, when you get international baseball, uh, you see guys getting in the heads of these kids that are 12, 13 years old saying, hey, stay with me, man. I'm, I got a relationship with this team major, and we're going to make sure we work out a deal. And that's the kind of stuff I think a draft will get rid of. And David Ortiz arguing on his behalf saying, look, in our country, we we don't have if we don't get drafted, we can't go to University X. Yeah, we don't get drafted. That's it. Yeah, you're not going. Uh, so I think maybe that's a different issue than what you're talking about with a draft. But uh, that may be one of the things holding this thing up uh, as well in the late hours on this Wednesday, Ben. No, and, and Kevin, I mean, I think you bring up a great point when you think about like we we when you hear these quote farm systems, system is what you need to focus more on because you're saying, dude. How did the Braves find him, Ronald Cooney Jr.? You think they just found him last week? No, they been knew about him. How, how did they? How did they get a you know a, a Tatis Jr.? Number one, they knew his daddy, <laughs> and number two, they know they know. It's almost like and, and like you saying, Kevin. Well, you have certain teams that are invested in certain absolutely and, and, Latin American countries. And, absolutely, and, 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 and right and look, and now now that, ladies and gentlemen, it's going to be hard to do because I mean what. Now we got to, now we got to hire private investigators to be at all these freaking games. The games <laughs> happen all the time, and you know. But I, I do agree with something you said, though, Kevin. When you talk about when you talk about the CBT, that should be addressed because, dude, you're an MLB franchise. Like you should be having to pay a certain dollar amount, even if you're not gonna win. Your players should not have to suffer for you being cheap. But also, but Ben, as you know, if I have to spend the money anyway, am I just gonna give it to a guy? Or am I going to say, well, if I got to spend this much, I might as well go spend it on a guy who, you know, is good. Exactly. And not just hand and, it out to somebody. And, and even with you mentioning that, that has a lot to do with why teams stay bad so long. They're not invested. Na- name, name, any, name any entity in sports that don't invest in it and you see, the, and you, see you reap it. I mean, look at the best teams in college football. They got the most money to invest in it. Get the best players, so on and so forth. When you talk about facilities, hey, man, what? Uh... We need better facilities. Why? Because these players go to other places they want to. So I, I do agree, Kevin. I mean, you have to be able to pay a certain dollar amount because the thing is people go, are the Yankees that good? Yes, because they invest in these players. They're getting the best players. And that, that leads to more championships. Look at the teams at the bottom. They don't spend money, and nobody's making them spend money. And, yeah, they said we made a bunch of money last year. Yeah, but we also last in our division, one of the worst teams in baseball. We're going to be, you know. I mean, I, 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 mean, I, think, I think Miami is a good case where you had a guy like Giancarlo Stanton. Great! I know there's a lot of uh, uh, you know uh, Cuban and Latin uh, folks in South Florida. That was a great fit. He knew uh, Mike Stanton, Giancarlo Stanton. I say Mike Stanton. That's what he can. But he knew. Hey, when it comes time for me to get that free agency, they ain't gonna pay me. I'm out of here, right? I mean, like it ain't gonna happen. I, I feel like if you're in a Baltimore right now, or maybe even a Cleveland, or some of these teams that are restructuring and not spending, it's like, look, as soon as I get to free agency, I'm out of here because they're not going to pay me. They just, they're, That's not what they're going to do. So I think for uh, that, that doesn't bode well for keeping rosters together uh, and, and keeping guy, fans interested in having those hometown teams. I mean, think about it. The Braves, right now, everybody's freaking out about, are they going to be able to keep Freddie Freeman? And how, how awesome it is that you've got uh, Ronald Acuna and Ozzie Albies under long-term deals. Why? Because we want them to stay so we can watch them and have them be a part of our team. That doesn't happen everywhere. If, if, if Atlanta was the Marlins, you got about Ronald Acuna for about one more season, and then it'd be like, 
pay me. Nope. Somebody else is going to pay you, and he's off to somewhere else. And I think if, if I'm baseball, that's a problem that needs to be addressed. It's a better sport when more people, even if you know teams aren't going to win every year, it's a better sport when more teams believe they have a chance to get in the postseason and play for it all. And I don't think baseball has done enough to address that with this collective bargaining agreement that they're still working on. Again, nothing as of yet. Some semblance that they're getting close. The numbers are not that far off in some of these things. It's yes. can they close the deal on a couple more of these issues. The fact they talked for like 13 hours off and on yesterday, they've been at it today exchanging proposals. You got to feel like at some point, somebody, one of these negotiators that both sides have hired is going to go, fellas, like how much more are you willing to drag this out? This is a good deal. Let's go play baseball. Let's make money. We're coming back. Final hour, three and out. Southern Pigskin. Good to have you back here. Final hour of three and out. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. Glad you're making us a part of your day. So much to get to here in the final hour as uh, Major League Baseball. Could we be entering closer to a deal by the time we're done here on the show? We'll get the latest there. What quarterback has been in the news last couple of days? Most needs to win a Super Bowl. And how much pressure is there to, uh, to do that, to submit that legacy? We'll get to that coming up in just a little bit. But certainly, Ben, the draft coming up right around the corner. Our next guest. I mean, it had to have been one wild collegiate career there at Coastal Carolina. Uh, outside linebacker, to, uh, uh, edge rusher Jeffrey Gunner joining us here, former Chanticleer there at Coastal Carolina. Jeffrey, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good, man. Thank you all for having me. I, I'm honored to be here. Hey, we appreciate you coming on. I mean, speak to just the, the ride you had in, in college because uh, obviously, you know, COVID hit everybody uh, that, that played college football and college athletics. Uh, you guys – had one of the, the, the best stories coming out of that COVID year going into a, what, a top 15 uh, program there in the Sun Belt and have really been one of the most successful G5 teams the last couple of years in, in college football. Just speak to that college experience there uh, at Coastal Carolina and, and what kind of a, a, a wild riding experience that I don't think student athletes, hopefully uh, after all you guys are going to experience something like that anytime soon. Yeah, as, as far as COVID goes, man, it was it was a weird year. It was just um, you never know if your game was gonna get canceled or anything like that. But you know, hopefully we really played like ninety five percent of our games, which is unheard of for the time period, man. And it was it felt like I was in a movie or something because everything that could have went our way that year and the year after that did, bro. It was like we had a little angel watching over us or something. We won so many games, and you know, just being a national spotlight, even like for a G five team, it was. A, dream come true man uh i love i've had a great time here at coastal man if i could go back and do it all over again i would i mean jeffrey i mean i reading up on you man obviously i know i know uh what you bring to the table as a player for which we'll get to but start off at coastal go to nc state come back to coastal talk talk about that i mean most of the time when somebody leaves a school uh and they go to another destination they usually don't come back to the original school what what went into that decision and what made you know what what let you know that look man when you got to nc state this might not be for me man i got to, I, you know i got to get back to conway so look, man. Uh, you know, I went. Uh, I went to NC State strictly just for you know, a family problem. I was having some problems with uh, my mom back home. She was going through a divorce that was really uh, hindering her from taking care of the kids. And NC State is about you know seven minutes from my household. So uh, you know, it was it was an easy move for me to go back there, help her out with family. And um, when all that was over, man, I just said Coastal's my home. That's where I want to be at. So you know. That's uh that's all that went into that decision. I know it's a little weird. You don't see that every day, but it was just to help out my family. Jeffrey, talk about how you've seen improvement in your game as a uh, as a player, and and how you feel you are uh, going into pro days and getting ready for the draft. 
I just feel like I, I've matured. You know what I'm saying? From my freshman year, I, I only played defensive end one year in high school. So just growing into the position and learning the little nuances, things like get-off keys, you know what I'm saying, little subtle movements of tackles, feed, and, you know, things of that nature, man. I, I feel like I've grown and matured tenfold since I got into college, man. I've gotten way bigger, way stronger, way faster, man. And going into pro day, I plan to put all those skills on, on full display. And for every scout there, man, I plan to put on a show. And, Jeffrey, I mean, speak to that a little bit more. I mean, obviously, you know, most of the time we hear about a player of your caliber, uh, obviously the bigger, faster, stronger is going to come with the nutrition, the, the weightlifting program and different things. But, I mean, you a student of the game. I mean, when I think about tendencies of a player, I mean, you talk about, I mean, is, is, is he leaning back with his back foot? Is he wiggling his fingers? Is the, is, the, is the center moving the football? Is the center looking? I mean, talk about just – the pre-snap get-off, like before you even come off the ball, you're saying, look, I could be looking at that, that near guard. Obviously, I'm looking at that near tackle, that near, that, that center. How much has that helped your game realizing, man, these dudes are giving me a lot of indicators before I even come off the ball? Yeah, so uh, one of the things that I learned actually at NC State, learning from James Smith-Williams, uh, he's now the Washington Redskins defensive end, and guys like Larell Murchison, who's now the defensive tackle for the uh, Tennessee Titans, every, every old lineman – has a little little tick or a little little something of that nature that they do before the snap. You know what I'm saying? Like every every person has a little tendency that you can pick up on, man. And every week, that's what I'm looking for, man. Like you said, it, it could be a little movement or the center before he snaps the ball or anything like that. But I'm always looking for a little things that'll give me an edge in the game, man. And me just looking at film and and, and growing in that nature. That's where I feel like the past couple of years I've really grown at. Because when I when I first got to college, I didn't know how to watch film. But just being around older guys and people with more football knowledge than I do, man, I've, I've grown so much. It helped me get a step in my game. Now, Jeffrey, man, I mean, I know it doesn't matter to you whatever team calls your name, but there's a team in, there's a team in New Jersey with the Jets. What if, what if you get drafted by the Jets and the first person you walk into when you walk in the locker room, that goes Zach Wilson. You, you, I know he remember you. What happens when you get drafted by the Jets and you walk in you got to go up to Zach and say, look, man, don't take it personal. Y'all add us to the schedule on Wednesday thinking y'all finna add to that win column. You don't come to Conway and get no dub. <laughs> so, so, look, man, everybody thinks I don't like Zach Wilson. I really I, I really think he's a cool guy. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, It's not like we got beef or nothing. Like I said, it was just a football game. Emotions got high. Uh, I think he's a great player, great person. He's probably the best person I've ever played against. You know what I'm saying? I got a lot of respect for him. So if I do – Get drafted by the Jets. I'm going to go in, dap him up, and hopefully we cool, man, because I think he's a great guy, man. I ain't got no beef with Zach Wilson. And, Jeffrey, man, talk about that atmosphere in Conway. Like, you you guys, I mean, we we here, you know, at our network, man, obviously we cover you guys being in the Sun Belt, man. We understand how hard that division is. Just the Sun Belt at large, we can talk about you guys in Louisiana and App State and so on and so forth. Talk about that atmosphere, man, these last couple of years with you guys, man. I mean, what you guys did a couple of years ago, man, it's hard to even fathom when you're looking at the fact that, you know, outside of Liberty, man, y'all y'all was unblemished. Just talk about that atmosphere, Conway, and just talk about what y'all building uh, with them Chanticleers. So, look, man, Coastal's, Coastal's program is honestly really young. Like, I think we started in, like, maybe 03, around there. I might have the dates wrong, but we're, we're not that old of a program, Um so we're just building a culture right now, I mean, we're still blowing up, we're still growing, we're still adding things to the foundation. And that's what I think me and my class built. We built the foundation, a culture of winning, a culture that if you come here, you can still make it to the league, you can have a good time, get a good education, but still be nationally ranked even at a G5 level. And um, I just feel like being in the Sun Belt, we get overlooked sometimes. 
You know what I'm saying? Because the Sun Belt not really looked at as a major powerhouse conference yet, even though we do have some of the best teams in the country. But I feel like, you know what I'm saying, with teams like Coastal, uh, you know, Louisiana, App State, we're starting to get our respect that we deserve. And, and hopefully Coastal will be a, a staple and a powerhouse similar to Boise State back in the day, you know what I'm saying, for years to come. Yeah, Jeffrey Gunner joining us here uh, from Coastal Carolina. So what's next for you? What are you prepping for ahead of the draft here? Oh, uh, man, I'm just trying to learn as much football as I can. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm trying to go work out with Eddie, our D-line uh, coach out there in uh, California, man. Just uh, refine my pass rush and do everything I can to get better, man. And, Jeffrey, man, when you think about your journey, I mean, most people, you know, most people wouldn't even know, obviously, you being from Durham and, you know, going back home trying to help your mom in, in that situation, coming back to Carolina, having to, man, cause, you know, people would think with all that being said, you would have lacked uh, productivity. No, you was a super man. You a super duper pro, uh, productive player. You do something, man, with your long arm, man. I mean, I think when it comes, I mean, obviously you got a lot of moves, but when you decide to put that long arm on them on them tackles, man, just talk about being able to perfect that because obviously, you know, because of your size, they think you're gonna be all speed and you go from speed to power. Just talk about being able to have that arsenal of uh, moves, but especially that long arm to be able to help you turn that corner. Hey, look, man, you can't be a one trick pony. You know what I'm saying, like. Especially at the level that I play at, you know what I'm saying? The Sun Belt, man, the tackles are real good with their hands, real good with their feet. So you got to give them different looks uh, every now and then to, to, to throw them off. But as far as the long arm, um, it was one day in practice. My coach looked at me and was like, man, you probably could knock them back with one arm if you, if you really tried to. And I tried it, and, bro, it just fit like a glove, man. And uh, that's my favorite move. It's my go-to. If I can get it locked in and in place, it's pretty much wraps for anybody I go against. But – you know what I'm saying? It's just just becoming more of a pass rusher and becoming more mature in my position, man. It was just it's just become my go-to move, man. And uh, I hope I can take it to the league with me and get even better at it. You know what I'm saying? And Jeffrey, I mean, how much better does it make your game? You talk about how you know the uh, the Sun Belt doesn't get the same same amount of respect it does at other conferences does. You talk about being a team on the rise. You talk about being a player that wants to be able to have you guys trying to go uh, trying to have back-to-back uh, guys drafted. Uh, you know, uh, in the drive of 2021 and 2022. But having that, wearing that that flag of, listen, man, I'm in the G5. I'm in the Sun Belt. But we play big time football on here. How much How much does it make you feel good knowing that you get to pave the way for guys that, that's going to still be in college at, at your school and schools like yours knowing that, look, man, y'all, I know y'all be thinking that we don't got big time football. We play big time football and you can put us in front of anybody. We can make it happen. I mean, I just I, first off, I think it's just the tip of my shoulder. You know what I'm saying? Because I feel like I feel like I'm overlooked. You know what I'm saying? I I, I think anybody in the summer feels like we're overlooked. Because uh, you know, schools like Alabama, SEC schools, ACC schools, schools like P5 schools in general shine do shine a big shadow over us. But I think me just paving the way and being able to say that, yo, you can do it for people younger than me, for people at my school, for people back home, for people all across the country is a big thing for me, and I wear it with pride, man. Because you know, somebody got to do it, and if it's gonna if it's gonna be anybody, why not me? Absolutely, Jeffrey Gunner, our guest here on Three Now. Jeffrey, appreciate the time. Best of luck to you moving forward and uh, getting into the NFL draft. We appreciate it. Yes, sir, man. Thank y'all for having me. Appreciate it, Jeffrey Gunner, former Coastal Carolina shot to clear, joining us here on Three and Out as uh, again edge rusher looking to move ahead into the uh, National Football League. And uh, Ben, a guy as you said with a with a motor, a high motor, and uh, again, what a ride his collegiate career was on, as you said. Coastal Carolina in COVID, transfers to NC State, comes back to Coastal Carolina and puts together uh, two very good years, junior, senior year, uh, to finish up. So uh, not many stories kind of like that uh, where you come back and finish where you started. 
Uh, and he's got a great chance, obviously, moving on to the next level. I know what you think. Uh, I know what you think. Deshaun declares uh, Kevin or Coach Carolina. You think uh, you know Jamie Chadwell. You think uh, like Isaiah Likely. I mean, you think Grayson McCall. We watch that defense. I mean, this is him and his counterparts lived in the backfield. I talked about that long arm. I mean, Jeffrey Gunner, he, I mean, he was 6'3", 6'4", you know, 260, 265 pounds. And like you mentioned, plays with a motor, plays through the whistle. Some guys plays, and I think with him, he's a guy that understands, I mean, when he's breaking down the nuance of the position, and when he say things like, yeah, I want to play defensive end my, my senior high school. You're like, what? It's like these guys are still very, very raw. As far as like their gifts and abilities, but he seems to be the type of guy to give him understanding, man, to be able to say what he said about going back home to help his mother shows his level of maturity, has a love for his family. But hey, nobody really wanted to play the Chant to clear the last couple of years. And uh, like I said, guys like Jeffrey Gunner, he really had a lot to do with it. Should be a big time addition on the team. Cause obviously, I mean, he's used to playing special teams, he's used to doing the grunt work. I think he'll be a great addition to any any franchise. We've got more to come here on Three and Out on this Wednesday afternoon, 912-342-7184. Love to hear from you on Twitter as well, at Pigback Three and Out here on this Wednesday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you were with us on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. And uh, Ben, obviously, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, two big names. Aaron Rodgers reportedly going to get the biggest contract or the largest contract for a quarterback uh, out there. Russell Wilson going to Denver. And a lot of people saying, okay, fresh start for Russell Wilson. Who's got the most pressure on them to win a Super Bowl now that all this has been done? Obviously, Aaron Rodgers, you got to feel like this would be his last big deal because he's going to be 40-plus. Russell Wilson, I've been with Seattle a long time. Can you do it with a different team, different setup there in Denver? And kind of shake off the, well, you had the Legion of Boom defense, and the defense had you up before you ever had to take the field in that first Super Bowl, right? I mean, it was... That game was not even close uh, against against Denver. And then the next year, of course, it came down to the end, and ball was in his hands through a pick on the goal line uh, of the Super Bowl. How? Who needs it worse? Who needs another Super Bowl here? It, ha- it has to be Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion. Because the thing about it is this. Russell Wilson is going to go down in history as a really, really good quarterback. He's got a chance, Kevin, if he can. He has. He doesn't have to resurrect his career. He's on, he's on the same trajectory as a guy like uh, Paid Man and when he went over Leaving, leaving Indy coming over, uh, coming over to Denver, but it has to be Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers he makes a lot of hoopla. He, I mean, I don't know what's happened to him in the last five or six years, but it's always something with him, right? He the creations on narrative, or, or he does things that doesn't like it. That the reporting isn't what it is. He, it's a he's a he's a lot to deal with, but he also just got a two hundred million dollar extension with a hundred and fifty three million guarantee. I want a Super Bowl with that. Right now, Aaron Rodgers is Brett Favre 2.0. Brett Favre, arguably, the, the, you know, some say he's the best. Some say he's the second best now because of Aaron Rodgers, quarterback in Green Bay history. Aaron, I mean, Brett Favre, I think he won two regular season MVPs. He's went, he went to two Super Bowls. He won one. Aaron Rodgers has only played in one Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers has been considered by most to be the greatest thrower of the football most people have ever seen in the National Football League. Aaron Rodgers has got $153 million. If you are the Green Bay Packers, we want more regular season MVPs or individual awards. Can you can you elevate the status quo of your team to win it all? That's during the era, because now you go from, all right, no more Tom Brady era, no more Peyton Manning era, no more Drew Brees era, no more Eli Manning era or Ben Rosberg era. Now you got Patrick Mahomes. Now you got Joe Burrow. Now you got, I mean, I hate to say it, Dak Prescott. Um, you know, Justin Herbert and you got to be able to win against all those guys. But, Kevin, if you're the owner of the Green Bay Packers, which I think they're 
I think they own by like I think it's kind of different. I think they're the only one owned by like the community or something. It's like something crazy how it's owned. If you're the quote, yeah, they're publicly owner, owned. Yeah, you can buy stock owned. in the. Uh, but it's the thing though, Kevin. I just gave you a two hundred million dollar extension after drafting a quarterback in the first round two years ago, who's only played in two career games. Who you you said that you wanted to be the highest paid player in the National Football League? I want the highest contract ever. Done. You said you wanted help. Brought in Randall Cobb. You want Devontae Adams back. Done because you franchising him. I want to see a Super Bowl. Or it was just a bunch of money. It was much to do about nothing. Like, at a certain point, man, if I'm putting all this money into one player because he's supposed to be the greatest thing we've ever seen throw the football, and you've only given me one Super Bowl? So I, I do Now, Russell Wilson, I think, has to win one to prove that it wasn't all Pete Carroll, it wasn't all Beast Mode, it wasn't all Legion of Boom. But I think he got time. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is the face of of of, uh, of the NFL right now, and that's taking nothing away from Patrick Mahomes. That's I mean, you have, like said, from, ben, ben, you're right. You have because you have national media folks saying he is the best one out there. He is the he is the goat. He's a bad. I think Stephen A. He's Smith a said, he's a bad <laughs> man. And yeah. again, uh, one round exit. Uh, they're in the playoffs this year, and people say, "Well, what difference does one Super Bowl make?" You know, it makes a lot, right? I mean, Ben, if if, if Eli Manning has one Super Bowl win. Is people talking about him as a Hall of Famer? No, we got two. Peyton Manning was a great quarterback. Then he got two. And it just cemented that legacy. Is Aaron Rodgers kind of in that Peyton Manning locale? It's like, you might be the best quarterback. Because people said about Peyton Manning, you might be the best quarterback in the league. But Peyton, you had a hard time getting by Tom Brady. Yeah. You couldn't do it. Yeah. Uh, very often. Then went to Denver and got a second Super Bowl. And it seemed like that kind of cemented the the Peyton Manning legacy. It's like, okay, you got you were the best out there. Everybody knew it. And now you got multiple Super Bowls. I mean, there is a big difference, Ben, in winning one and winning two. Right? I mean, and people say, well, what come on, you still guys no. The number of guys who have gotten one, pretty good list. The number of guys who have gotten two, it gets considerably shorter. And you're talking about a guy who is largely considered to be the best quarterback in the league. During this era, now maybe you could say Tom Brady is got more championships. He's good, but in terms of straight quarterback play, I mean, even with all the rings that Tom Brady was getting, Ben, people would say, "Man, if I'm starting team, I'm, I might be taking Aaron Rodgers. He's got the big arm; he can make things happen." Like I know Tom Brady's a goat, but he's got Bill. At that point, it's like, "Oh, he's got Bill Belichick." Aaron Rodgers, people say, from a pure quarterbacking standpoint, that mm-hmm. would be the guy I would take. He's got one. Yep, and think about this. Think, think about who he's in the category with. Nick Foles has a Super Bowl. Joe Flacco has a Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, Trent Dilfer has a Super Bowl. Uh, you know, and 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 I just, I just, I mean, I mean, Brad Johnson has a Super Bowl, right? The thing about it is, Kevin, I mean, Russell Wilson has a Super Bowl. You want to put yourself in an elite status, right? You say, "Hey, man, we went to two. Ben Roethlisberger has two. Went to three, and the only one he lost was two. Aaron Rodgers. Eli Manning has been to two against the GOAT. He's 2-0. So he has, listen, I have a perfect winning percentage in the Super Duper. If you are Aaron Rodgers, and when it comes to throwing the football, he makes throws the only he can throw. But, Kevin, we got to look at it from what it is. If somebody said you were one of the greatest ever, they're going to start looking at your resume. Like, look at the greatest of all time. Michael Jordan, man, he went to 6-1-6. LeBron went to 10-1-4. Kobe. Went to what? I think he went to five one. Or, you know, he went to six one five. Shaq dominant, right? Because they helped to elevate their teams. And they they gonna say Aaron Rodgers? He went to one. What? He went to one. 
And then people going to start saying, well, that doesn't go with the, it doesn't, right? It doesn't go with the narrative of being the greatest. Now, is Aaron Rodgers going to be a first battle Hall of Famer? Yes, because of what he's done. But if Aaron, Aaron Rodgers ain't, ain't hanging up, we going to judge you as long as you playing. As long as you playing, we're going to judge your crowd. I don't want to hear that, oh, he's over the hill. No. Aaron Rodgers wants to be in that elite status. Patrick Mahomes been the two Super Bowl. He only got one. People start saying, hey, man, it's, it's, it's very, very hard to do. I mean, Phillip Rivers was in the league for about 17 years. He never made the Super Bowl. Like, it's hard. And then I think I think you start talking about it too, Kevin, is you start saying, man, where, where am I seeing it? Like, where is my name going to be remembered for? Am I going to be a guy that had a bunch of MVPs, which he has three? I think he's one behind Peyton Manning with four. Um, did I did I change? Did, can you talk about the quarterback position without me? No. But you also can't talk about the quarterback position without talking about Cam Newton, without talking about Michael Vick. So those guys, I think, are Hall of Famers, and they ain't win no Super Bowl. So you you put – I think what Aaron Rodgers is, it's saying, dude, all this nonsense he put us through, what, what do we get out of it? Now, he gets you another Super Bowl. Now, he gets you two, maybe three. Okay, because I think at the end of the day, um, the Dallas Cowboys last won the Super Bowl in 1995. The Baltimore Ravens didn't even exist then. They've won two Super Bowls since then. <laughs> all I'm saying is a lot has happened, and I think Kevin is – listen, Kevin, like I said, if you got to – you're a little league baseball coach. You got a player. He, you have to deal with a lot. And people go, I know, I know, but he is a beast out there. It's like, well, I'm, I'm willing to deal with that if he gives me this. But if he can't give me that, I, I, I can't deal with both. I think when Aaron Rodgers right now, he talks a lot of trash, and he going to point to everybody but himself if he don't win. Yes, he needs the ball on third and one, fourth and one and not kick a field goal. But if he don't win it, Kevin, and he has Devontae Adams, and they're going to have to give some help in the draft. If, if at the end of this thing he made a bunch of money – uh, hosted Jeopardy, grew his hair out, <laughs> dyed it, and gave you one Super Bowl. It was it was it was much do by nothing, man. I I think he has to win one. Yeah, I, I agree because it's been he is bit like after he won the Super Bowl, it was you know discount double check and look you know I got the belt. I'm the go- and again as you said, there have been other guys who have been to multiple multiple Super Bowls since then, and I'm not saying they've won them, but you are widely looked at as one of the best, if not the best, quarterback in the entire league. You got to get there. And try to cash one at least one more in. I think if you're Aaron Rodgers, and saying that it's hard to do, but I think now, uh, Ben, you will look at it at least, at least for this next year, and say, all right, Russell Wilson dipped. He went over to the the AFC. Like, who is standing in your way from a quarterbacking standpoint to keep you from getting there? Matt Stafford. Yeah, maybe. Kyler Murray. Maybe. Maybe. I mean. Matt Ryan's good enough, but his team I mean, isn't. I mean, I but mean, his think, team isn't. I mean, think so, about I mean, this. I mean, okay, the NFC East, maybe maybe Dallas. Maybe. In the NFC South, ugh, I mean, the best the best players, Matty, Matty Ice, the best team might be Carolina. So, I don't think I'd worry about that. In, the, 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 NFC, the NFC North. Well, he's in the NFC North. Uh, the, 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 the NFC. The yeah, NFC, but nobody in the NFC North yeah, right yeah, now the, is going to be. The NFC West, you, you're talking about. I, I don't, I don't I, and that's another thing too. Oh, Kevin, man, if he don't represent the NFC in the Super Bowl, people gonna be like, "Dude, are you underperforming?" Because once again, man, when you start talking about those unique, once in a lifetime talent, you want to go back and say, "Well, dude, what did they do to change the game?" Oh my God, this dude, man, Tom Brady, since he's left in one year, it's gotten even. Now everybody can have a legitimate because when he was there, dude, I dominated. I went to ten Super Bowls. <laughs> yeah. So when you think about it. I, I went to 10 Super Bowls, and then he went to 10. Peyton Manning went to three. Ben Rosenberger went to three. Joe Flacco went. There ain't, ain't, no, ain't enough years. 
That's 10. That's 13. That's 16. That's that's 17 years with, with represented by three guys or four guys. So now with Tom Brady gone, now if Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers say, hey, man, LeBron and left, I should dominate. I'm Giannis. I should dominate. And hopefully he will, because if he don't, we're going to be like, well, dude, ain't nobody. Because, Kevin, you know, it ain't going to matter who he run out there. If he don't get it done, I don't get They gave you $200 million. They gave you <laughs> and we be talking about, like, man, man, we gave you $200 million. No, we ain't giving you nothing. <laughs> but I, but I, I do think he got to go out there and get it done. Because at the end of the day, you know, if he doesn't, you're going to be saying, well, dude, number one, you don't got to worry about nobody else getting that type of money. Well, maybe a quarterback because they reshaping the market. But, yeah. we, hey, it, Go out there and be the Stephen A. bad man that you are. Because right now that bad man has one Super Bowl. And Eli Manning has two. All I'm saying is it ain't fair. It's called sports. Got to find a way. To, no more individual awards. It's time to get that team that team award. And I think Lombardi Trophy was named at the uh, Vince Lombardi. Who goes for who? The Green Bay Packers. So we're going to need you to go out there and you know, add to that trophy game. Yeah, we've got more to come here on 3 and Out on this Wednesday. All across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Day Major League Baseball negotiations continue. Could we have a deal later this evening? We'll see. Apparently, they're hung up on the international draft. Uh, the MLB owners, Ben, have proposed a couple of different options, including hey, we don't need a response on the international draft until November 15th of 2022. So, hey, let's hammer out all this other stuff. We can get back to this later uh, and negotiate that. They've also proposed um, shortening the CBA. Uh, to a three-year deal if there's no international draft instead of the standard five uh, if they can't come to terms on that international draft, in which case they can renegotiate the whole CBA in three years. I don't think the players necessarily want that uh, to go through this. To me, you're getting down to some some minor things, but I, I had some discussion with somebody earlier, Ben. It seems like, once again, if you follow the negotiations last week, we're kind of back to the same spot. Hey, we're getting closer on the money, but uh, but what about this? And it seems like the owners brought some stuff up. So when the players come back and say, nope, we reject that, then all of a sudden it is, you know, on the players for, uh, for, for turning it down. I mean, last time it was, hey, we're getting close, we're getting close, but we want a 14-team playoff. Players want a 12. Ah, oh, well, they're giving us 14. We told them we didn't want that. Reject it. Well, we're giving them a fair deal. This week, the owners have come a little bit farther uh, with their money. Uh, it seems like that part is fair, and now you're hearing about the international draft. And a player saying, we don't want the international draft as part of this thing. And the owners could say, fine, we're going to cancel more games uh, here at the end of the day. And it seems like, uh, from my standpoint, uh, Ben, in, I know it's negotiating, and there's, it stinks, and there's tactics being used, but to me this kind of reeks more of last week where you come to the table, things are progressing well. Hey, but what about this one more thing? Let me throw in the car mats. What about those floor mats in the truck that we haven't talked about yet? Uh, and, and that's going to hinge the whole deal. You reject it. It's like, we gave you a great deal. Why are you not taking it? When all along, I feel like the owners still don't want to play games in April. They know, they know their bottom line. So it's like, hey, we keep moving. We keep moving. They keep saying no. It's on the players now. So I think you're, you're fighting getting a good deal. Plus, you're still playing that ever-long game of court of public opinion where the owners can come out and say, we keep moving, we keep moving, we're getting close, and then they just won't budge on this one thing. It's not us, it's them. And baseball fans everywhere going, look, you're this close, let's get this thing done. Yeah, I mean, I, I do agree, uh, Kevin. You don't want the three-year three uh, CBA, you want a five. 
Uh, you want? I mean, the players don't want fourteen teams; they want twelve. But that's more obviously that's more money for the owners. But that's more. But apparently, they've agreed to twelve. Like apparently, that's been come to terms. Like, hey, fine, we'll do it twelve. Uh, and, and 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 the thing is this: you 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 ask yourself, you go, all right, fellas, whatever whatever we say yes to right now is for five years, not ten years, like the freaking NFL agreed to. It's five years from now. So in a sense, we're adjusting to where the world is. You know how much different the world is 10 years from now? Yeah. So I and, – and look, once again, in negotiations, it's the goal. If you think the goal is to get everything you want, you're kidding yourself. You're not going to get everything you want. But the goal is to get as close to, like, hey, man, okay, what 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 is the no-go? Like, we can't bend on this. We can't – okay, all right. So right now you agree to 12. Now you're saying three to five. Look, man, go to five. Go to five. Don't do three because three is way too quick. Well, the owners have talked about reopening on this one thing. They could reopen the whole CBA, and nobody wants to go through this mess every three years. Exactly. Five, don't five, five years is five years. Four to five years is standard, unless you're in the NFL. They they get ten. I don't know how to help. Anyway, they, I, I just I just think the two, Kevin. I like the fact that they say, all right, let's get through this. But all right, we, we we agree to twelve. All right, let's move on. Can we? You know, I mean. Can we can we can we agree on the five? Because obviously with the five, you're talking about the international draft. Look, it's it's gonna be certain things that you're not gonna like. Like it, here's that thing when it comes to the players, y'all not gonna like everything agreed to. But when somebody goes, we were trying to get back to playing, man. Because some of y'all, most of y'all, don't get endorsement deals. Most of y'all don't make a million dollars. Most of y'all don't make nowhere near a million. So we trying to get back. So I do like the fact, Kevin, like you said, 13 hours back and forth. It means that these owners are staying at the negotiating table. They they don't like what's being said, but but they can respect. Like the respect level has grown over 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 the course of this uh these CBAs and hey, twelve you know tw- twelve teams five years you got it. You're gonna have to give some stuff. These owners listen. The owners got to be able to say they got something because they go dude, we gonna get the players every freaking thing. They go, and the players tell the owners, look man, it's something y'all we gave y'all something y'all gave us. We know we're gonna have to do this double headers because Apple are already putting out their yep. stuff. But I do like the fact, Kevin. If anything, you I, the optimism is there because they keep moving back the deadline and they seem to be earning well, some of these things. I mean, out. you know how it is, though, Ben. I mean, the the, the deadline is an artificial one because yeah. who sets the deadline? Major League Baseball has. They're the ones that said we need to get it done by the. But I mean, I do agree. The longer it draws out, as I said last week, when you start canceling games. Other things have to get negotiated that aren't presently being negotiated, i.e., hey, we're going to cancel more games. Now we're only going to play 150 games. Well, are we getting paid for 162 games and only playing 150? Do I get a full year Major League service if we only play 150? Do I, like, these are things that the players are going to come back and say, all right, so you're messing with the season. Are you messing with my vesting status in terms of? You oh know, yeah, majorly bad. Are, are you are you messing with my service time? Are you messing with and all that's got to get negotiated? To me, it behooves them to get a deal done, get back on the field, and get to playing. I think the players are adamant against the international draft. It seems to me, from the guys that are reporting and 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 folks that are reporting the situation, that the owners would like it. But it, to me, the way they're positioning themselves on it, it doesn't seem like this is a. Uh, a deal killer. It's like, yeah. we can discuss this later. Yeah, yeah, it's not a if pressing want. issue. Yeah. We can discuss this later. We want it. We understand you don't. We want it. We can talk about this later. The clause to reopen the CBA in three years so they can do that, I don't think anybody's going to like. Uh, but I think, to me, the owners could move off of that and say, hey, this gives us four or five years to figure out how we want to do it, how what it would look like, what we want it to be, how we want it structured so that we get into international play and try to shut down some of the corruption involved 
in the international player market uh, that's out there. But to me, this seems like one of those issues that, again, the owners threw in there at the last minute to try to get something on the table. It's like, man, you were there, and now you're bringing this in for, for no reason. For no reason uh, to, to other than potentially delay this thing, which may be an ulterior motive that the owners want. But uh, I, I do think the longer it goes, you get into other things that have to get negotiated. I feel like for the people there, like, you are getting ridiculously close. You just need somebody to step up and say, fine, this is what we're going to do because getting a deal done at this point is more important than adding one more thing that we want to check off in the W box at the end of the day. Yeah, Kevin, and, and look, I, the thing about negotiations is, like, it, that's with anybody, right? If me and you have been going back and forth, and all of a sudden I come in and say, all right, Kevin, I agree to everything, but I want to add this. You like this. What do you, what do you mean you want to add that? Yeah, we haven't brought that up yet. <laughs> because what happens is, right, your mind, look, once we get past one thing, Look, I, I give a lot of credit to both the owners and the players because they didn't do the they didn't do the coward way. Oh, we're just not gonna talk. That's not negotiating. That's trying to play hardball. Absence does not help you because then when you come back, the players go, nope, now we ain't doing 12 teams. Now we're not doing, you know, it's like, it's like, but I do like the fact that they are getting the thing ironed out. I do think like things like the international draft, those things to be, hey man, we can. We can talk about that, man. Once we get this thing signed, we can talk about that. Because you're talking about something wise, a part of the MLB. It's not the end-all, be-all of this thing. I understand the international draft is a part of this thing, but let's keep the priorities. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. Let's get the, Because you know what happens, Kevin? You know how like we all in the meeting, somebody said, all right, fellas, all right. Man, what is it going to take? Because <laughs> at a certain point, man, nobody's do, making anything now. Right? Yeah. And and the front offices and all these different people and the people that work at these these stadiums and the parking and the concessions and the security and logistics and so on and so forth, nobody's getting that. And guess what? That's people's livelihood. People don't say, hey, man, I, well, I've already budgeted out next year if there is no season. No. That's how you make your money. So I do like the fact that hopefully, Kevin, it happens in the midnight hour. We sleeping because, well, we sleep. These yeah. reporters can't even sleep. Like, yeah. If you are an MLB reporter, you can't even go to sleep. Like, you literally got up, uh, like, because as soon as it breaks, they call your phone, which I hope it happens sooner rather than later, because, yeah. it, 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 I mean, I'm, I'm not the only one to say it feels weird to not have baseball. Yeah, right. I know it was 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. They were still talking uh, last night. So, yeah, I feel bad for the, uh, the, the baseball folks who are right there kind of just hanging out in the lobby, uh, you know, waiting for somebody to come down and say, well, here's where we're at. Uh, at the end of the uh, the day. We've got more to come here on 3 and Out Conference Basketball going on. Georgia, could this be the final game in the Tom Crean era? Georgia and Vanderbilt uh, in the late game there this evening. And could this be the final game for Tom Crean? I think a win obviously keeps him around, but a loss, Then I think most people expect uh, if Georgia loses uh, about, what, 30 minutes after the game? Tom, we appreciate it. Uh, but uh, you are no longer the coach of the Georgia Bulldogs after what's been a uh, awful year. I think just one win in SEC play uh, here in 2021-2022 and uh, certainly a lot of problems uh, with that program from where they want to be. And I think it's pretty well assumed that uh, no, no kind of outward-like hints. It's kind of like the, the running known thing that as soon as they lose, Tom Crean is done. Yeah, and and the thing is too, Kevin. I mean, whatever they whatever they thought was going to happen when Tom Crean got hired, it just never it just never like came to the forefront. And that's that's not that's not so much all of Tom Crean's fault. I mean, this Georgia this Georgia basketball program has been, I mean, it's been dismal. I mean, for a long time, hasn't been relevant for a long time. And I can understand, uh, I can understand uh, the rationale of trying to hire somebody like Tom Crean. I wanted to make a splash hire. Problem with problem is. 
Georgia is not a powerhouse by no stretch of the imagination when it comes to basketball. And, and and so sometimes, Kevin, I'm asking, what was the expectation with Tom Crean? Like, we know that he you wanted him to win consistently in the SEC, uh, potentially make an SEC, I mean, uh, win an SEC tournament, be a regular season SEC champion, or even make it to the even make it to the NCAA tournament. Come on, man. You still gotta deal with Kentucky. You still gotta deal with Florida, still gotta deal with Tennessee, and obviously Auburn has gotten real good. Alabama has, has been relevant as of as of late. I, I just think that sometimes, you know, Tom Crean took on the took on the uh you know, he took on the challenge, Kevin, but I don't think I don't think he really understood the undertaking of what he was doing. I think he looked at the rich tradition of the University of Georgia, but that's football, man. That's not that's not basketball. And the thing is, when you think about the University of Georgia, outside of football, right? Yeah. It ain't it ain't really much to talk about like with the other sports. I know the gymnastics are good. I know they got like okay track, but think about it. Vanderbilt dominates the baseball. Right, but Vanderbilt is literally trying to get the baseball season. They're not football. <laughs> football is going to be a watch. Basketball is going, but you're gonna, you're about to lose. You're about to get put out by Vanderbilt. That's all you need to know as far as like where the Georgia basketball program is. And I know we talked about it early, Kevin. Who do they bring in? I don't know. I really, really don't because no matter who they bring in, what is he inheriting? Yeah. I mean, what preliminary? What I mean, what uh, First press conference, what are you going to say? Hey, man, we're going to get back. We're going to get back to what? You got to hit the ground recruiting and, and in a big so way. I, yeah. I, 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 listen, Anthony Edwards, like I said, is the highlight. To have a number one overall pick in basketball is very, 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 very prestigious. But you didn't even make the tournament with him. So I don't know, Tom Crean, like I said, he's going to definitely lay on his feet, Kevin, because of his coaching pedigree, not at Georgia, but what he did in Marquette, D-Way, so on and so forth. But as far as like Georgia – I think it's less about Tom Crean and more the fact that, man, you are asking a lot, especially with a program that, I mean, I, I don't, I'm pretty sure Georgia invests, you know, good money into recruiting, but you're not getting no blue chip, you know, you're not getting no blue chips, you're not getting no McDonald's all. Well, I think that's the kind of the, I think that's the kind of the, the, the goal of whoever comes in next is, can you recruit the state of Georgia a little bit, right? I mean, because there's talent in this state, obviously, uh, for 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 college basketball coming out of high school. Can you get some of those guys, Metro Atlanta guys, whatever, to stay at home and play in the state? If you can, you could have a pretty decent program. I think the challenge you have at Georgia is the same challenge that Josh Pastor has at Georgia Tech. You get a blue tripper, they got to really want to come. Otherwise, guess what? They're probably also being recruited by North Carolina and Duke and, and, and Kentucky and you, and, you and, kids, and, and you have to fight yeah. against that, and that is a tough uphill battle, obviously. He's going to lose He's going to the battle to Kentucky. No, no. He's going to lose the battle to Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech, what is a year removed from being, from winning the ACC? So I just think that for Georgia, you got to ask yourself, what do we really want? And is what we want achievable? I get unrealistic expectations going to happen in college athletics, but it depends. Like if you are Georgia basketball, who are you saying? What are you bringing Anthony Edwards to talk about the pro? Like what? Like what do you go to? And th- and that's the thing, Kevin. It's been so long. Well, I mean, that's why I think you have the uh, you know the Jarvis Hayes. Uh, Jonas Hayes, who's yeah. been thrown out, who former Georgia players who've been in the league, they can sell the story of Georgia yeah. basketball. I yeah. think they're the ones that can that can get the message uh, out there. Can I'm you, not can saying you, that's can you gonna... get Dominique to help you? Who you know? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, but I think that for in terms of guys who are on the, I mean, Jonas Hayes been in the league, played at Georgia. He can sell the message of Georgia. Like, I, hey, I I played here, I won here, got to the league from here. I think a guy like that's what you got to go after. We'll see what happens there. But uh, Georgia obviously up against Vanderbilt tonight in the SEC tournament. We'll see how long that second press conference comes out if Georgia loses 
tonight regarding Tom Crean. Could we have Major League Baseball back uh, potentially by this time tomorrow? We'll have to wait and see how those negotiations go uh, as well. But I appreciate you joining us. If you've missed any portion of the show, ESPNCoastal.com. Go to our YouTube channel at ESPNCoastal on YouTube. Appreciate uh, Michael Sean uh, Dugar joining us from The Athletic in Seattle. Uh, the latest there with Russell Wilson going to uh, Denver. Also, Jeffrey Gunner, edge rusher there out of Coastal Carolina on his track to the draft. Appreciate him joining us today. We'll see you tomorrow here on 3 and Out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network.